BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Hey guys, this is Gail Kim from Impact Wrestling and you are listening to the 8-Bit Suplex Podcast. Alright ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in once again to the 8-Bit Suplex here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Uh, We've got a very special edition of the show for you this week. It is of course at that time of year that uh, all the uh, ghouls and goblins uh, and super ghouls and goblins are out in force. Um, and uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently this week. Uh, we have a guest host filling in here uh, for Sandy uh, for the video game portion. And uh, it's going to be uh, a long time friend of mine. Uh, we go way, way, way back. Um, he's not really uh, wrestling uh, savvy, so he won't stick around for that part of the show. So we'll lead off with video games for the first time ever, which is kind of exciting. Uh, I'm going to introduce uh, my good buddy, uh, Mr. Lane Farman. Lane, how are you tonight, buddy? Good. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm glad to, glad to be here, and I need to... I want to learn more about wrestling so that one one day I can be on that part of the show too. <laughs> we'll, we'll work our way up to it. Uh, Lane, you did uh, attend WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans with me. Yes. Um, and I think uh, we had a pretty good time. And, uh, you know, we watched some classic matches during that trip to, to kind of to uh, get you uh, more acclimated with the product. Uh, and you watched uh, what was, I believe, Cactus Jack's debut in the WWE. And uh, you've been kind of in love with Mick Foley ever since, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, that love has just grown, you know, I, I follow him on Twitter. Uh, and then I watched that movie that there was like this documentary that it was called, like, I don't even remember, like, uh, something about the mat. Uh, beyond the mat. Yeah. 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 And then Mick Foley's like a big part of that movie. So now, yeah, that's, that's great. I want to, I want to get like a cactus Jack, uh, some sort of merch or paraphernalia, but yeah. Yeah, no, definitely uh, cactus Jack or, uh, you know, uh, dude love or, or, you know, mankind, you know, uh, Mrs. Foley's, Mrs. Foley's baby boy uh, is definitely uh, one of uh, our all-time favorites here on the show. Um, he actually does show up on Impact, which is the show, of course, that we uh, cover. At least it was TNA back in the day, Total Nonstop Action. 
They've now since changed their name to Impact. Uh, but if you're listening to the show, you probably already know that. Uh, that's more educational for Lane's purposes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, so we can so we can continue to work our way up to, to getting Lane to talk about wrestling someday. Um, but yeah, so uh, Lane's here. We have uh, we you know we're kind of coming up with this uh, different ideas uh, to talk about video games uh, right here in the holiday season. Uh, of course, we kick off our holiday season here in uh, the United States with uh, really uh, with um, Halloween here. So with Halloween coming up, we are going to talk about, uh, and now this is, uh, we're normally a podcast of positivity. You know, <laughs> we, we don't normally talk down on, on our subject matter here. Um, but you know what? It's, it's Halloween. Everything's upside down. Black is white. White is black. You know, the, the, uh, the magic is in the air lane. So uh, we're going to talk about games that are so bad. They are in fact, scary. Nice. So, I like that. Lane, uh, I had Lane, uh, for those of you that don't know Lane, uh, he is uh, someone I consider to be a, a video game aficionado. Uh, at one time, the only man I knew that had a bigger video game collection than me uh, probably still does, as, as mine has, has kind of dwindled over the years some to a, a smaller uh, uh, smaller amount. But uh, Lane, uh, at one point, had, uh, what did you say, about four bookcases worth of video games? Yeah, they're actually – so just – recently a couple months ago since we just had a baby you know he's seven months old today and my wife and i you know were negotiating about you know where that stuff was going to end up we actually just had to get a storage unit for it so now all that stuff is in a is in a little climate controlled storage unit so it's actually much easier to access so so back in the good old days that you're talking about everything was plugged in at the same time i had four different splitters so that, you know, if I wanted to play the Sega Saturn and then, you know, the 3DO, like right, right after, you know, or whatever, I could do that. Now it's, it's more of a long process, but all that stuff still exists. So yeah, I don't know how many bookcases, but it's at least one five by 10 storage unit right now. (laughs) Which is, uh, you know, it's, it's impressive. I mean, it really is. Uh, you know, I know, uh, Lane and I used to go, uh, and hit up the, uh, local, uh, markets and and try and and see uh what redneck had brought out a a blanket worth of stuff that he had no clue what he was try and get a good deal out of it uh and you did at one point lane if memory serves uh find an extremely rare game on a blanket that a redneck put out and he had absolutely no idea what he had yeah it's one of the best days of my life actually it was because that's still the the crown jewel of my collection uh spider-man web of fire which could totally be on this list actually because that game is horrible but uh it's not good (laughs) no no not at all but the game is worth almost a thousand dollars now and i bought it for three so and and as you know (laughs) when i was in when i was in high school uh i knew of it about it because back in those days i would you know be looking on ebay every day and and trying to snipe these you know lots and everything so i i very much knew what was worth something and what was not i'm a little rusty now but like once i saw that like i thought it was I thought I was dreaming. Like I couldn't believe it, you know? So that's still one of the best right. moments of finding something in the wild. And it was like complete in box manual, everything. Yeah. So that was, that was Which, great. Uh, yeah. I, I, at that point, I mean, we're talking, this is like, uh, in, almost in the 20 teens at this point, I would imagine. And to get a, a game that was for the 32 X, uh, that was released. And I'm looking at this right now. It was released in January of 1996. Yeah. Uh, which at that point, I believe we already have the Nintendo 64 out. We might, we're pretty close to the PlayStation if we don't already have it. Um, 
So Sega was trying uh, pretty much everything. And I think the Dreamcast, If I, do you remember when the Dreamcast came out? It's right around that, this time. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I know that, like, the Saturn had to be between them, though. There's kind of a weird thing, because, like, then there was the Saturn. That was one of the reasons why they kind of stopped making the 3-2-X stuff so okay, fast. There you go. Yeah. But then they, they gave up the Saturn really fast, too. So all that stuff is real close together. Yeah, so the Sega Dreamcast was 2008. Uh, or not 2000, geez, uh, 1998 in Japan, 99, early 99 uh, in the U.S. And then the Sega Saturn was already out um, in North America. It was May 11, 1995. And so Spider-Man Web of Fire was doomed before it started. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Coming out uh, in 1996 uh, and almost a full year after the Saturn, uh, which was the superior system, uh, was on the market. Uh, but that's, that's say, unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, the to come across in in uh, in Largo, Florida, Spider-Man Web of Fire on just a random blanket uh, in, in an outdoor flea market is, uh, which is unfortunately closed now uh, due to COVID. I know, um, man. Uh, which you know was a longtime staple of the area. I I had heard of people coming from up north specifically to vacation to visit the Wagon Wheel Flea Market in Largo, Florida, um, which I guess uh, growing up. Uh, less than 10 minutes away from it, Lane. I think I probably took it for granted some. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I used, to, I used to work there. I used to cut onions for them. I and, used to take uh, you to that job. <laughs> I know. I know. And uh, I used to say, and I still – I hold to this now, that I would rather spend a day at the flea market than Disney World. Like easy. Not even close. Not even close. I might disagree with you on that one, but I would say uh, that you would definitely spend a lot less money at the uh, flea yeah. market. As long as you're not uh, buying euros, uh, because you right. pay for some medication afterwards. Yeah, um, seriously. Because uh, euros <laughs> with uh, tzatziki sauce in 102 degrees and, and a July day is, man, not great. Um, yeah. But anywho, so you know, when we start talking about some of these games, uh, why don't you talk about uh, Spider-Man: Web of Fire a little bit? Uh, now that we've brought it up, and you said it sure. kind of belongs on this list here. Uh, now, I mean. Most Spider-Man games of the era was, was were pretty much the side-scrolling beat 'em up games. Yeah, and this is pretty much the same. Now, now I'll I'll talk a little bit about Spider-Man, and then I'll kind of transition into another three two X game. Sure. Because uh, I never played, so I was like scared because because I had just come across this game and I knew that it was worth a lot. I w- I was like, do I play this? You know. Uh, it wasn't sealed or anything. It was just in the box. And <clears throat> as a collector, I, I'm of, of, you know, music and of games. I'm, I'm very much of the, of the mindset that like, I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it. You know, like I, I, I don't really collect things that are sealed in box because like, if I have it, I sort of want to play it, you know? Sure. But because this one was so much worth so much more than some of the other stuff I had, I was like, I don't even know if I want to do that you know but i did and and i couldn't even get past like maybe the first couple screens just because it was just it wasn't fun (laughs) and yeah like like what you're saying it's like a side scroller it actually so another thing i guess you you said you've already talked about batman forever in on this podcast before right but it's it looks kind of like that game where you could tell that they sort of did the mortal Kombat thing where they tried to like animate maybe with some right that uh, very early motion capture uh yeah technology yeah yeah. So all I remember about Web of Fire is that it uses that. The the enemy types are not um, they're they're pretty like uh, generic and it feels slow, you know. Um, so, I mean, as as a Spider-Man game, you know, it doesn't really feel like Spider-Man because you're just kind of like slowly walking from from thing to thing. I got gotcha. you. Uh, 
but but I think so. If we're gonna talk about the three two X though, we have to talk about Corpse Killer, which is the next uh, the other thing. I'm yeah, let's raise. go right into to Corpse Killer here now. Corpse Killer is uh, you know, if if you stepped into any arcade uh, in the mid nineties, you were playing games like you know Area Fifty One. Uh, you were playing games like Time Crisis. Uh, you know what would be called uh, rail shooters, right? So uh, basically. Uh, to set the premise, uh, for those that may not be familiar with a rail shooter, um, you basically, uh, you have progressed through and you shoot everything on the screen. Um, the difference with a, a home console version is that you're not pumping quarters. And they, that's really what those games were designed to make. They were designed to make money. Um, so with the, the home uh, release here of Corpse Killer, uh, this one is a little bit different because it, it is, it, it's... I, I've played this with you a few times, and I'll let yeah. you get into it some. Um, but it is uh, – can you even say graphics? I mean, it's not really graphics. It's just – so it, it was trying to – Sega at the time was trying to release a lot of those full-motion uh, video games, or FMVs as we call them. And they decided to mix that with a rail shooter here. <laughs> it's, <And> like, <laughs> it's like an unholy match. Like. <laughs> yeah. And, and so this was developed by uh, Digital Pictures. Um, and I'm looking, you know, Digital Pictures um, is, of course, the same company that gave us Night Trap. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I've never played that, but that that totally would be a great like thing to go on a so bad it's scary list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... You could pretty much – I think you could fill a, a So Bad It's Scary list with nothing but uh, SMV uh, – or not SMV. Uh, God, uh, FMV games. Yeah. Uh, because uh, they they really did not work for the most uh-uh. part um, unless you you, know, you want to talk about some of the, the really cartoony ones. Um, but yeah, so same, same – <laughs> for those that are familiar with Night Trap – same exact people decided they were going to make a rail shooter using their same FMV technology. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love FMV because of how like weird it is because because it's one of these things where they were trying to do something that they just had they, – they weren't even close to having the technology to, to do, you know? So right. it's, almost like, it's almost like a virtual boy level mistake where it's like – because I, I think it's a great idea and actually there, there might be one or two that are actually good. So there's – um. Wing Commander 3, which is starring Mark Hamill and John Rhys Davies, uh, is like a FMV game that's like great. So right. I mean, they did yeah. pull it off. You know? Well, that's also because they they actually uh, got good actors to be a part of it. Right. And, and you know, for those that aren't super not familiar with FMV games, they are people that are hired to act in these games, um, and basically shoot every scenario. Uh, as a scene and then the choices that you make change what happens in that scene and that could be based on inventory items that you have or don't have uh how slow you are to react to something um but then this one is straight up just just shooting zombies yeah and like what's weird is that is that this one and some other fmv games that are like this there's there's a lot of pretending like you are the main character. And so there's a yes. lot of people that are like right in your face talking to you that, and, and, and like telling you to do things. And it's very like this one, especially is very B movie esque too. But so there's these like cutscenes that are, I, I mean, they're really fun to watch. They're funny. They're really bad. The, the acting's horrible, you know, but then the actual gameplay, it's still kind of an FMV thing, but it's almost like a slideshow. It's like, so you see like a picture of a zombie 
right that's, that, that that actually exists like someone actually had to like dress up like a zombie i think right but then then they run it through several frames of like attacking you so it's just a it, and it looks really strange and it's and and it's hard to to know where they are and the friend it's just a really strange experience yeah and we're saying and, I, and just to step back you know, like you're talking about like you play uh, as a unnamed marine in the game where you're just kind of you know, helicopter dropped into an island because God knows why. Um, and it, it reminds me too, and this is a game I, I played a lot of, and I won't get too much into it because uh, it, you know, probably could be saved for uh, an, another episode, either for Star Wars games or for FMV games or for rail shooter games because it was all of those. And that's uh, Star Wars Rebel Assault. I don't know if you ever played that one. I like that one a lot. It was actually a lot of fun, uh, but you literally play uh, uh, as a young pilot going through, uh, trying to uh, get through the uh, Rebel Academy and learn how to fly your ship and everything. Um, but your name is Rookie One. That is <laughs> so completely unnamed. And if you think that people aren't going to call you that by that name, you are wrong. Uh, <laughs> they will literally to your face, and not as a call sign. Uh, they'll call you rookie one to your face uh, when you're like riding speeder bikes, like rookie one, what are you doing here? And uh, you know what? Hey, listen, hats off to those actors. Cause uh, damn it. That, I mean, that's a paying gig. So you can't, you can't, no. uh, can't knock them for that. You know, I would, I would love to talk to someone that was in Corpse Killer. I mean, so a couple things I sure, have to yeah. say about, uh, about the one is that there's a version of this game that I have that I really love because it's a Sega CD three, two X game. So you have to right. actually you actually have the Genesis, the Sega CD, and the 32X to play this. I don't know if that's supposed to make it better. I think they advertised that it was it was like the, the powers combined of these two systems. Right. Uh, but I think there's only two. I think Fahrenheit is one, and then Corpse Killer are like maybe the only two that were released as a Sega CD 32X game. Uh, that might. Be, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that and then the other. Right. Yeah, and then the other thing is that uh, my friend and I were playing this game, and the C button um, like crashes the game and sends you to the title screen, like just by pressing <laughs> <Yes>. C. <laughs> so, so, so forgot to, well, you know, when there's three buttons, the program lane. I mean, <laughs> you've spent so much time programming A and B. I mean, programming the C button. Like, come on, man. Like well, they're not they're not they're not a big name studio here. Well, yeah, and it's like it's like you always are like trying to figure out what button does what, and so you're like, oh, A does this, B does this, what does C do, and then it crashes <laughs> then it the game and sends game. you back right. to the, and it takes you a little while to figure out what's happening, you know, and then so when we figured out that C, like like breaks the game, we like lost. That was it. That that like made this game go on this list. That was like my favorite thing. Yeah. So you know. And when we, I do want to mention too, like, as we're, we're kind of going through these games, these are games that we have firsthand experience with, uh, games that we've tried to play, uh, numerous times and, uh, it just never worked out. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, they, these games don't necessarily show up on the big, you know, uh, the angry video game nerds. Some of them may, uh, I think one of them that, I, that I'm going to talk about is, is some that's gotten some notoriety, uh, but it's one that I literally I bought at a, a used video game store and was super excited to try it, give it a try. Um, and I, maybe I'll go to that one next. Yeah, um, go for it. But but yeah, so these these are not you know you're not we're not going to talk about Superman 64. We're not going to talk about ET. 
you know, I mean, God, uh, there's been, what, 17 documentaries about the E.T. video <laughs> game, right? Like, whoever made that game, he's gone beyond embarrassment to, I'm going to cash in and tell my story to as many documentarians as, as they want. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you want to hear about E.T. on Atari, just it, listen, by all means, uh, go right ahead and, <laughs> uh, and do that. Um, before yeah, we move I, on, I do want to point out that, yes, Fahrenheit is a 32X uh, CD game, but they also released Night Trap for the C- Sega CD 32X. No way. And they also released a game called Supreme Warrior, which I'm just now uh, finding out about uh, just now as I'm looking at. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it literally looks like um, first-person hand-to-hand combat, um, but – Full motion video and it wow. looks unbelievably um unbelievably bad that's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna throw this to you in the chat uh so yeah you, yeah you can i will buy one. that i want to i think i want to like, buy that right now. i it is and it and, and it has a release on the sega cd first um and, and it's just it's just a bunch of like uh stereotypical asian characters standing around watching you fist fight people it is <laughs> uh wow that's uh, you know what throw that onto the list too. Yes. Uh, because the the fact that somebody thought that was a good idea is uh, oof. Yeah. Not great. Not great. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that. I'm gonna buy all those CD three two X games because that's <laughs> I, I well, wanna have those. You, you got one out of uh, four. So yeah, yeah. You got yeah. you got some work to do. Um, but the game that I mentioned that I'm gonna talk about here. Oh, uh, and before we move on, by the way, uh, Corpse Killer. Uh, was remastered for the PS4 uh, eStore, and I believe also for the Nintendo Switch Online Store. Inexplicably, uh, I, but I think Nightwalk also got, or not, not, not Night Trap also got that same uh, kind of treatment where it's now showing up like it's cool to be so bad. Uh, Night Trap's so think, supposed to be fun though. That one is supposed to be fun to play. Uh, well, yeah. I, yeah, I never, I never got too much into it cause it's, it literally, it freaked the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> yeah. So it, like, you know, those like little, uh, the slow motion vampires, uh, cause I don't know, man, it's just nonsense, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll move on from there. <laughs> <laughs> from slow motion vampires. <laughs> yeah. From slow motion vampires. We'll go to slow motion idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, uh, the three stooges on the Nintendo entertainment system. Um, it, this is a game, uh, that came out on a lot and I do mean a lot of systems. Uh, the one I played it on is the Nintendo entertainment system. Uh, but if you were so fortunate, uh, you could have played it on the game boy color. Actually, nope. Sorry. That one was canceled. They never put it on a game boy color because why would you, um, but they put it on the Nintendo, the PC, the Commodore 64, um, and it's even showed up on, on things like, you know, the Apple II and the Amiga. So um, it is actually published by Activision. And I, and I say that to say Activision games are normally good. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's, it's something where they, they published it for the NES. So they took the original game and just tried to port it over and, uh, Man, it is just – it is completely unplayable. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and they, you, they try and reenact, you know, famous Three Stooges gags and, you know, oh, you know, they walk under a ladder and, you know, smack their foreheads. And it's literally just – I mean, 
it's so it's just so bad. I, I mean, when I say like you can't play it, like you cannot play it, and it's <laughs> and there's a randomized level selection, right? Oh, so you don't even get to choose what level you play. You don't oh start at goodness. level one. You're playing different scenes, right? So like, there's a boxing thing. There's you know, like, oh, it's just it's so it's. You know, and they're supposed to be based off of Three Stooges episodes. Right, which right. You, you and I are both big Three Stooges fans. That's, I mean, that sounds, I, I mean yeah. that sounds great. To, that sounds great. I yeah. mean, I just assume everyone's a Three Stooges fan because how could you not? But, right. Well, I mean, I, I, I've, I've enjoyed the Three Stooges. I, I watched a lot of it a long time ago, but I haven't, you know, I'm pretty rusty, so I don't remember a lot of it. But. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think it was anything that was uh, inherently problematic for the time. Uh, thinking back, you know, so it's not, I, I don't think I have to like say like, oh, you know, I have to watch this through 2020 eyes now. Right. Um, right. but yeah, I mean, man, it is. Oof. I'm trying to think of how you would make a good three stooges game. Like what would you, you know, cause that the concept like of doing different episodes might be fine, but, but like not in that weird mini game. I don't even know. Yeah. Kind of way. Yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah. I don't, I don't think you can. Yeah. And, 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 but there's, this is also during a time, right. In the late eighties where every video game publisher was trying to get their hands on, uh, naming rights. So of course, and this probably started, you know, back in the ET days, you know, I mean, it it did start back then. It wasn't necessarily ET wasn't the first, I don't think. Um, but there's tons of games that are just piss poor, yeah, horrible games that that are completely unplayable, um, but they carry a, a, a name on it. Right. Um, you know, uh, Jaws comes to mind uh, on the NES, of course, famously published by LJN. Yeah, right, um, right, right. LJN obviously were the masters of that. Uh, yeah. Just gobbling up every single, you know, every single thing they could, um, and, and just pushing just oh, absolute garbage. When did you spend a lot of time playing the Three Stooges? Like, did you put a lot of hours into that? I probably played it for off and on, probably about like two hours total. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. But now that doesn't sound like a lot of time. Um, and certainly, I mean, I was playing it probably in, in like, in probably 16, 17 years old. Um, but I paid like six bucks for it, which, you know, yeah. listen, I, I understand that's not expensive for a video game. Uh, but in 2007, for a you know game that came out in 1987, to play six bucks and not playable, it wasn't even like it's rare. Like I was just like I didn't feel like haggling. I just was like whatever. Right. Yeah, I bought it. And um, it, it it's just bad. It's just you know I, some, I mean yeah. You know, some kid paid like sixty dollars for that, like probably back in the 80s or 90s oh yeah i mean could you imagine like if you go back and and play like all these different games that were you know you think about like the era of blockbuster like you would get to pick one game oh yeah yeah, yeah. unless you're rich you know if your parents are rich then you got two games right or if your parents just do like yeah that's our entertainment for the weekend you know some you know listen everyone views their entertainment budget differently in my house it was you choose one and you're lucky if you get one right so, so it was like, um, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll pick this up. And I, I've certainly rented games, and there's plenty, I'm sure, that I, I cannot think of uh, today. But I'm sure I've, I've rented plenty of unplayable games. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I feel, I feel like on the NES, there's a lot of, of that, you know, like, and there's a lot of unplayable games now, too. But I mean, and you would never know, you know, that the Three Stooges would be, or, or Back to the Future is another one that's like really bad, where you'd be stoked to, to pick that up and play it and then just come yeah. home and, and it'd be so awful. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and think too, like, at the same time that was happening, there were companies like Capcom licensing The Little Mermaid. Right. Right. And I will tell you this, and I'll state this on this podcast for everyone to hear Little Mermaid is like a top 10 NES game. Oh, yeah. I like full on. It is. Uh, it's like uh, it's a uh, what's the phrase I want to use? It, it's obviously it's a, a side scrolling, almost like a platformer, um, but it is kind of like that on rails shooting type thing. But you can go back and forth. So it, it's a it's a, a four way uh, movement. Uh, side-scrolling game with your shooting projectiles as as Ariel the Little Mermaid, and it's absolutely sounds awesome. Amazing. That sounds yeah, awesome. I am I'm, I'm I'm not kidding when I say it is like far and away like it is so good. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, on the Super Nintendo, uh, Capcom did Aladdin, which I think is like in the top ten Super Nintendo games. Yeah, no, Aladdin was really good. Um, and is what's funny is too is they actually and not to get off on a tangent about licensed video games, um, which we've already done, and, and, <laughs> which this is going to happen. It, it, fair warning, and maybe I should have said this at the top. Uh, Lane and I don't. This is historically accurate for us that we will just start on something and just bounce around, um, because <laughs> yeah. that's just that's how we've always been. It's, it's just my fault, it probably. I don't know. Eh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's my fault too. You never know. Um, but yeah, I mean. Uh, Capcom also did uh, DuckTales. Yep. Um, and I, did they do – I don't think they did Lion King. I don't know. Think. No, I don't think so. No. They did so, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers. They did Virgin Tales Interactive Spring. did oh, okay. Lion King. Okay. And I think they also did Toy Story also. Yeah, those are not as good. And those are not as good. They're not. They're, they're a lot more unplayable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's even a game, uh, Adventures in the Magic Kingdom, that Capcom put out. So Capcom was working pretty close with Disney. Uh, definitely go check out those games if you want to play yeah. a licensed video game. Stay the fuck away from the Three Stooges. Seriously. So, Seriously. Yeah. Just don't. Just don't. <laughs> it's, it's like, even if you see it for like 99 cents, uh, just, you know, hand the, hand the clerk five bucks and punch him in the face. That's, there you more, go. that's a better use of your money. That would be Except, very Three Stooges esque too. That'd be a Three Stooges. Well, yeah, make, here, here's just hold out your hand and say pick two, uh, and then poke them in the eyes. There you um, go. But maybe not during uh, COVID. Maybe wait until that's over, so you're not. Yes. You know, yeah, no. Three Stooges would be a nightmare in COVID. I some I don't even want to. Someone, yeah. Someone there would just make be that. so much like uh, mask mask snapping off the face. Yeah. Like, Why are you? <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. It's built for it. That's amazing. It pretty much is. <laughs> it, you know. There's some gag where they let it slip off their ears and the elastic snaps the guy's hand. Ah! Yep, 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 yep. I don't know. There's there's only so many jokes you could do with a mask. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'm actually going to use that as a segue uh, to the next game that, that you came with here, Lane. And that's uh, uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker oh, on the yeah. PlayStation 1. That's a good one. So this is not going to be on any of those like worst games of all times list because this is personal. This is like a personal vendetta so you know i was so into batman you know when i was in high school and i 
I loved all the Batman movies. I didn't think any of them were bad. Like I love Batman Forever. Batman and Robin loved them. Like completely unironically loved them. Sure. Yeah. And and then you know Batman Beyond comes out and that's actually really good. Like Batman Beyond is is really good. It's not as good as the you know Kevin Conroy animated series, but it's like pretty good. And the Return well, of the Joker's uh, Will Friedle is is uh, is fantastic as as uh, Terry uh, McGinnis, oh, yeah. the Absolutely. the uh, the future Batman uh, or the Batman from Beyond, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and I don't remember much about the the show really now, but I remember watching Return of the Joker. I think we got it at the video store, and I just remember it being amazing. I remember just being so into it. Uh, so then, you know, when I saw that this game, and a lot of times they'd advertise these things together, you know, you like the movie, get the game, the game was probably even advertised in the trailers of the thing that I was watching. It's one of those games that has the same cover as the movie poster too. Yes, uh, it, it is identical. In fact, when I, when I put it in the Google search, the nothing came up about the game. I actually had to write in video game into the search bar because it yeah. is the exact same name, the exact same poster. Um, and before I let you get into it, I will say I actually did rewatch this like within the last three months uh, because HBO Max has all that. Uh, I get HBO Max for free with my phone subscription. So that's, nice. I mean, as I think that's the way that they're getting people to sign up for oh, it. Oh, definitely. Um, Absolutely. And it's certainly no uh, no thanks to John Oliver constantly ragging on uh, HBO Max, which is great. Yeah, that is um, great. But yeah, no, uh, it, the, the movie definitely holds up. Uh, yeah, now, if you if you've never watched Batman Beyond and you don't know why there's like hybrid animal people running around, uh, the splicers, uh, it will confuse the absolute shit out of you for like 40 minutes. Um, but it is it definitely holds up very well. That's awesome. Yeah. And so as a kid, I mean, it's actually good Batman. Right. So I've been watching these bad Batman movies and loving them. So now it's like a really good one. So like it's blowing my right. mind. And the cool thing about and, and I'll get into why the game is bad, but I, I just remember that. There, you have this feeling when you buy a new game, and I was really looking forward to this game too. You know, where where you get up in the next morning after you played it, you know, the, the day before, and you're like excited to to play it again. You know, you're like, oh, I gotta get, you know, you right. know, playing that game again. I just remember like it was yesterday, like playing this game and then getting up the next morning and like just wanting to do anything except for play this game again. (laughs) I remember I wanted to like it so bad and I wanted to wake up and I tried to like simulate that feeling. And I was just like, I do not want to play that. But I I think that it was the kind of thing where I've made myself and I made myself play it. And I was trying to like it so bad that, that I just played hours and hours of this game. And I would even make my friends watch me play this game because I wanted to show them, you know, this game and everything. And, uh, you know, all the stuff that's cool about Batman Beyond, you know, it's Batman, but he's got like jet propulsion and stuff. He's like, right. he's a lot more mobile. It's a lot faster. It's sleeker. Uh, just all of that is like the opposite of how this game plays. It's sluggish. It's slow. It's repetitive. It's like, um, basically it's like a beat up, like Final Fight or something, but it's with fully like 3D, you know, figures. And so the movement's not fluid. And so it's like this weird, it's kind of... There's a few other – there was a game like The Crow that was kind of like this too where it's like trying to do this Final Fight or Golden Axe or like side-scrolling beat-em-up kind of thing but using 3D characters and it's just terrible and it just doesn't work. And and yeah, it was just a slog now, of the game. And what's interesting too is that you can actually switch between suits in the uh, Nintendo 64 and PlayStation versions. And I, I point that to say the Game Boy Color version – uh, it does not get 
uh, any kind of uh, suit switching or anything like that because it's Game gotcha. Boy Color, obviously, so there's some limitations. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I think games started playing around with that uh, kind of different loadout, right, to do different things. Um, yeah. And in a Batman game, it makes sense, right? I mean, Batman himself has had many different suits, and they have different things. Um, but, yeah, I don't think any of it uh, worked very well. And it, the game uh, was published, actually, by Ubisoft. Um, which is kind of a shocker that they would make a game that doesn't work because they, they, I mean, they hit more than they miss. Um, there's a funny review uh, when they're talking about the reception of this game. Uh, a writer named Greg Orlando wrote, uh, he gave it one star out of five and wrote, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Ubi Laid an Egg. Oh, so, nice. yeah, uh, which of course, you know, Jingle Bells, Batman Smells. Uh, I don't know about you, Lane. Uh, but that was the Christmas carol of choice uh, as a child for me because singing traditional Christmas carols with my family and enjoying all the Yuletide blessings was not a thing that I cared about as a child. I would much rather sing parodies and – Oh, know, absolutely. Which is probably why Weird Al was the only CD I listened to when I was eight years old because – No, that's great. <laughs> and actually, I mean I still listen to them, so I guess not, not much has changed. No, that's amazing. Yeah, and no, I, I remember that. I remember those those songs. That's great. Uh, I need to look up bad reviews of this game because I don't think I ever have, and I think that it's a lo- it's been a long time coming because that was that was a big disappointment. I mean, I still feel that. Yeah, it's it's really difficult because you know, and and, and uh, Dan and I, uh, when Dan filled in for Sandy, we talked at length about good Batman games uh, because there are plenty of those. Um, but when you pick up a, a franchise uh, like a Batman or you pick up a franchise uh, like a Spider-Man even, you have a certain expectation of what that game should look like and what that game should feel like um, because it should be based on what those characters are. Um, and, you know, there's been Spider-Mans that are uh, games that have not been good. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way. And, and obviously Web of Fire, you know, uh, uh, one that is probably played by more people has been like the recent, like uh, the amazing Spider-Man two, um, which was a game uh, I stayed away from. And it was a movie I stayed away from. Um, and, and both of them were not good. So, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's so hard, especially I think with, when we look back at these games that are uh, in the eighties and early nineties, you can kind of excuse it, right? People didn't really know what they were doing with games yet. It was still a budding industry. Um, but by the time that a game like Batman Beyond the, you know, the Rise of Joker comes out or Return of Joker, excuse me, uh, and it's, you know, that game came out in 2000. I mean, Ubisoft knew what they were doing at that point. Yeah. Um, and this just feels like a cash grab. Absolutely. And they even do the thing where they're telling the story, like all the plot moments are just like frozen frames where the text would be at the bottom, you know, it's yeah. just bare minimum. Yeah. Which and at that point, the whole point of the PlayStation is that you didn't have to do that anymore. Exactly. So, you know, that's the whole reason why uh, SquareSoft left uh, Nintendo in the dust for Final Fantasy VII, right? Because they wanted to do, uh, you know, full motion cutscenes and and tell stories with video and not just text. And here yeah. we are. I mean, Final Fantasy VII uh, came out years before this game, uh, and there's really no excuse to it. Understanding, yeah. of course, that it's a one-disc game versus a three-disc game. Right. Uh, but also, I, and if I had to guess, this I mean, you could probably beat this game in, what, three hours? Yeah. Four hours, tops? That. Yeah, yeah, tops, I mean, I know yeah. you didn't get that far, so. <laughs> I think I might have beat it. I don't. Did I you? think I might have beat it, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, 
playing playing bad games and a beloved series uh, definitely happens, um, especially when they decide that they're going to push new things into the game and interject new gameplay modes. Uh, and that happened actually uh, for 989 Studios game. And we're going to stick on the PlayStation uh, and we're going to talk about Twisted Metal 3. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Twisted Metal, uh, for those that are not familiar, was uh, kind of came on the heels of you know, Mario Kart being huge, Mario Kart 64 being huge, and uh, 989 Studios, um, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Lane, uh, 989 Studios was exclusively to Sony. It was just a division of Sony. Yeah, um, I think so. And I know that they, they took over Twisted Metal 3. It was right. a different, yeah, different publisher yeah. for the first two. Um, yeah. And then Sony's like, we're just going to make this in-house and, and probably pay less to make it. Um, and uh, the first two Twisted Metal games, uh, for those that are not familiar with Twisted Metal, it's vehicular combat. That's it. You get yeah. missiles, you get machine guns. Um, there was a whole bunch of games that came out in this time frame of the, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, centered around specifically vehicular combat because everyone, and, and I, you and I have played uh, countless rounds of Mario Kart uh, oh, yeah. Battle. Yeah, uh, oh yeah. Which is, I mean, listen, anybody can beat their friend at a race, right? But can you hit, <laughs> but who's the best at throwing green shells? That's what everyone wanted to know. And yep. I think that's why like vehicular combat really took off in the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, games like Vigilante Eight uh, came out on the Nintendo sixty four. Um, of course, Twisted Metal was was kind of the the pioneer, and everyone loved Twisted Metal one. Everyone loved Twisted Metal two, uh, and then Twisted Metal three uh, with nine eight nine Studios behind the helm. It kind of takes a dump. Absolutely. Yeah, so, it, uh, yeah go, ahead remember, and get, go ahead and well, get into it a little bit here because this is one that was off of your list here. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that I – the couple things I remember about this is that this is one of the first Twisted Metal games I played a lot of. So one of the reasons why I hate this game is that I played it so much. I think I even beat it with every character. And then I played a good Twisted Metal game, and I felt all this despair <laughs> – <laughs> that, I, that I had sunk so much time into the mediocre one, you know, because it's just, you know, all the things that are so good about Twisted Metal, like it's gritty and like the stories are great and funny and like you want to beat the game because every character has like an end cutscene that's hilarious right. and they get right. – it's always they, they if they win the twisted metal competition they can make a wish and their wish always goes really bad almost like a Twilight Zone episode or something. Exactly, yeah. And the the the, the ones in Twisted Metal three are so unimaginative and bad. Like you get to the end of the game and then you see the cutscene and you're like angry <coughs> at how like at how bad the 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 joke is that they made you know and and i mean talking about fmv stuff the first game has full motion video cutscenes for those for those right. end of game scenes and they're amazing and they're so good and even the latest twisted metal that came out on ps3 and like xbox uh 360 they went back to that full motion video thing and it's amazing and they do such a good job so so this one is more just like a game that i put a lot of time into and then was so realized what a good twisted metal game was after the fact yeah, so, I mean, and, and what's interesting, too, is that uh, almost universally, everyone's like, man, this game wasn't good. Um, I mean, it wasn't kind of pushing anything. It wasn't wasn't any better than what they had done before. Um, and I think uh, 
this was the first one that they, they tapped uh, Rob Zombie to be the composer of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so everyone's soundtrack. I, you know, I, I'm reading, and, and I remember the soundtrack being awesome. Um, but the uh, every reviewer is like, yeah, the soundtrack's great. Well, of course it's great because <laughs> it's Rob Zombie. Yeah. I mean, they actually yeah. got you know, it, when you hear a game like Twisted Metal, it better be you know, uh, punch in the nuts death metal versus Absolutely. you know, it, you know. But yeah, I mean, it, it was not. Um, it wasn't rated very well, uh, but it did sell over a million copies. Um, but when you get into a game series building off of that that popular genre, um, I mean, you back in those days, you could sell a million copies of, of anything oh, yeah. that was a sequel. Oh uh, yeah. Um, well, so my the one good thing. So so what I love about Twisted Metal Three is that. Uh, I wasn't allowed to listen to Rob Zombie. I wasn't allowed to listen to any of that. You know, sure. I even had to on my Tony Hawk games. I had to make it so certain songs wouldn't play. I had to go in the settings. <laughs> like my parents made me turn some of the songs off. You know. Yeah. And uh, but Twisted Metal Three, if you put it in your Walkman, it would play the Rob Zombie songs. So I I had basically the sounds. I had a Rob Zombie CD, and that would never have been allowed. But since Twisted Metal Three was like rated teen or whatever, and and I, I got this Rob Zombie CD out of out of the. So I remember like going to bed and listening to that and feeling like I was really bad. Yeah, and and what's you know, you make that point. It is rated teen. Like you're you're no doubt absolutely slaughtering the other drivers. Yeah, seriously. Um, but there is there's this this kind of. Uh, you can kind of put this uh, thought away of it being other drivers that you're killing because you never see the drivers while you're playing. Um, I think there might be a few vehicles that you can. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, you're just blowing up cars. So they get yeah. away with the teen rating. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had similar upbringings uh, in, in that regard where, uh, you know, vulgar music and, and things. Uh, I definitely, I definitely did have to, uh, you know, depending on uh, which Tony Hawk game and and, and which uh, um, soundtrack it was, or even just like cutscenes in certain uh, later oh, yeah. ver- later Tony Hawk games, um, especially with Bam Margera involved, I definitely had to skip ahead uh, on those. Uh, yeah, you know, sure. it, which you know, if you've listened to you know our podcast since the beginning, we did a, a Tony Hawk episode pretty early on, um, so definitely go check that out if you haven't. Uh, I. I talked uh, probably too much on that podcast episode uh, because I played a lot more Tony Hawk than Sandy did. Um, but definitely, uh, definitely go check that out if you want to, you know, re- reminisce about those days. Um, and before we move on from this one, Lane, I do want to talk about when we talk about how big vehicular uh, combat games were. There was even a Star Wars vehicular combat game. I played uh, that game so much. I Star Wars Demolition so came out on the yeah. PS One. And it's just it's it was just one of those things where literally everything revolved around cars just blowing the shit out of each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you you can look down the list, but that's the one that kind of sticks out the most because it's Star Wars. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, there's basically every every racing game that came out to had some combat uh, to it as well. So. You know, even a game like uh, Extreme G on the Nintendo 64. I don't know if you played that one much, uh-uh. uh, but it was basically a futuristic motorcycle game. But you shot missiles at each other as you were racing. So uh, vehicular vehicular combat hasn't disappeared entirely, um, especially if you played the Mad Max game that came out in 2015. Uh, but it's a little different, right? That's a story-driven game. Uh, but strictly strictly vehicular combat, 
Uh, it doesn't really exist anymore uh, in the same way. Um, but definitely go and play the other Twisted Metal games. Like Twisted Metal Black, I think is probably... Dude, would you, would so you say, good. Would you say Twisted Metal Black is the best one? I think so. I think so. Black is... Twisted Metal Black <laughs> is probably the best one. That one, you do see the bodies. Like that, they, re- they really... Yeah. That was like the only one that could be rated M, you know? And, and then uh, the new one that was just called Twisted Metal was amazing. Okay, I didn't I didn't get to that. I didn't get around to that one, so I'll have to definitely yeah. go back and check that out. Yeah. And then uh, we'll go uh, – we'll switch over to this one because uh, I'm going to save my other one for last because it's it's kind of maybe a gasper uh, okay. as far as, you know, people wouldn't expect me to say it. Um, gotcha. Especially, especially if you listen to this podcast, you kind of can find, pick up on where my tastes are. Um, but uh, speaking of tastes – uh, we're going to talk about uh, a video game character that was first uh, made famous for eating ghosts um, <laughs> that never really got a true sequel, I guess, uh, in a sense, because uh, we originally have Pac-Man and then we just put a bow on him and call him Mrs. Pac-Man. Um, and then we get uh, with the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures. And it's described, Lane, as a graphic adventure game. Yeah. Uh, why don't you walk through some of this gameplay stuff? Because you were talking to me about it earlier, and I could not believe it. I I can't believe it either. And I I need to. This is one of those that I need to go back and play as an adult to kind of figure it out, like how how to actually do it. Because it is so so. You know, of all the ways, like Pac Man is one of these games that always mystifies me because, you know, you think about what you want from a Pac Man game. You want it to be sort of like arcadey. You want it to to resemble. The original in some ways maybe add some layers to it kind of like like maybe like a tetris effect kind of thing but with pac-man you know sure. like make it spice it up that way but they just they did the weirdest things with this character to make these different games and this has got to be the weirdest one i mean i with this game i just think of all the people that would have bought it because of pac-man and then just being utterly mystified at, at what it even is so it's kind of like a point and click adventure game pac-man lives in some sort of town he's like an anthropomorphic pac-man so he's like living right, like arms a human and legs being. yeah 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 yeah. he's like living like a normal person in this town and the game he just walks from from left to right like a side schooler through all these different screens of the town and you know he runs into cats and he runs into trees and, the, and there's people you know selling there's a there's a hot dog vendor uh you know there's a barn right. it's the strangest thing and you don't actually control pac-man that's another thing that's really <laughs> weird is that is that you don't control. He just kind of walks around. I, and what you do is you are the slingshot. So I don't know if you're Pac-Man slingshot or some other character, but basically you control like a target thing that moves around the screen and you shoot the slingshot. And I think you might shoot. Uh, I don't know if it's the pellets. I know that, that Pac-Man can get a pellet. And when he gets a pellet, he turns into like a superhero and flies around the screen. I know. I remember that as a kid. Sure. But basically, I mean, that's exactly what I imagined when playing the original arcade <laughs> game. What he was doing. Well, like, <laughs> it's like someone wanted to be like someone way overthought this and was just like, "What if Pac-Man was like it was real?" You know, they they just like <laughs> like wanted to make it like a piece of theater or something like that. But like, I just me and my friends would always sit around and, and just try to figure this game out. And every time I I'd, I'd, I'd be at my friend's house, be like, "Oh, I want to play that." They'd just be like, "No, you don't. You don't want to play that. Like that that's not gonna go anywhere." The the look and feel of this game lane, it feels like somebody else picked up Namco's treasure and said, We're gonna use this license to make some adventurous 
uh, way out of bounds uh, type of game that you've never played before. Right. But the problem is, is that Namco made this game. <laughs> yeah. 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 It feels like it doesn't. Yeah. It's like they. it's kind of like with I think this way about Sonic sometimes, too, where it's just like, sure. just give us what we like about Sonic. You know, you don't need to do all these. And, and they do the same thing where they put Sonic in like the city and have him like coexist with other people and stuff. Well, but we're like, not going to talk about Sonic 06. Uh, no, probably on this podcast ever. Um, we're just going to no. leave that. We're going to leave that to the people that actually feel like they should play that for whatever yeah. reason to try and get podcast downloads. Uh, we're, we're not that desperate for downloads like, so no, we, okay. That's good. We, well, we're, no, not gonna, I, we're not going to talk at length about that game. I'm just throwing I, it out there. That's fine. I legitimately want to, you and I, and some other people, I want to sit down with this Pac-Man game and figure, and like as an adult and figure it out. Like, yeah. like, no, because, I, I mean, yeah. I, I'd play it. I I'll give it a shot. I mean, uh, there are games before that I've thought, man, maybe I wasn't good at this cause I was a kid. Um, and then you go, I go back and play it and I'm like, Oh no, I'm just, this is just not a, a game that you can beat. No. Um, and yeah. And we just, with, with us trying to figure it out, we just would torture Pac-Man cause you can shoot the slingshot at him and you can do stuff like you can shoot the cat with the slingshot and then the cat attacks Pac-Man. And I think you're, it's sort of you're, like a puzzle thing. You're supposed to get, I don't even know you, but we just figured, you, you know, you can put Pac-Man in all sorts of bad situations and that's all we would do because we couldn't figure out how to you know, actually progress in the game. So, right. Which is, which is kind of wild. <laughs> because, yeah. So I do want to read uh, one review here. And, and this is, <laughs> this is great because this is, uh, it's, it's boomer trolling, but it's boomer trolling in 1994. Nice. Um, which I didn't, uh, you know, at, I was four in 94. I was not aware of the term boomer. Uh, and I don't, I didn't even know people used the term uh, boomer. Um, until probably the last few years. Right. Um, but this is a review from Entertainment Weekly. Nice. Yes, Entertainment Weekly reviewed video games back in the day. It's, and they gave the game a C-. minus. Whoa, and that's pretty high. That's pretty high. Um, other publications have actually given it, you know, 7 out of 10. So that's about like a, wow. um, you know, a, a C type rating. Um, and that was for the Super Famicom version. That was a, that was a review from Japan. Um, but Entertainment Weekly for the uh, for the American release wrote, of course, there's nothing wrong with updating old boomer faves, but some games don't translate as well as others. The original Pac-Man, for instance, was wonderfully algebraic in its simplicity. An animated yellow dot scoots around a maze, gobbling up or running away from, pursuing ghosts. Pac-Man 2 The New Adventures is a Super Mario-type action game, which sounds very no, true. No, that's not true. Hampered by what Namco calls its character guidance interface. Uh, which is what you've you've spoken to. Uh, players can't control Pac directly. Uh, it bothers me that they would shorten Pac-Man down to Pac. But also, uh, that sentence, I love that sentence. They say it's a Mario game. Players can't control Pac directly. That's just right. amazing. Same 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 uh, same line of of, of text here. Uh, players can't control Pac directly. They influence his actions by calling attention to obstacles. Sound frustrating? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I needed a dozen tries just to figure out how to play this game. And that's good to know because that's a grown person. Yeah. Uh, now this is this is a video game writer for Entertainment Weekly back in 1994. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds over. It sounds like they gave it too high of a grade. Oh my gosh. Um, being at C minus, if it took, if, if a game takes you a dozen times to figure out how to play it, um, it better be really freaking good after you figure it out. 
Yeah. Like there's, there's oh. games that you can play that are frustrating or maybe like, okay, you know, think of, uh, you know, uh, a, a Dark Souls type game, right? Right. Super frustrating. Borderline impossible sometimes if you don't know what you're doing. But you keep playing it and then you eventually figure out what you're doing. And when that happens, it's very rewarding. Right. Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures, figuring it out after trying and trying and trying and trying, sounds like you still just get more bullshit that doesn't, that doesn't accomplish anything. What they should do is when you figure out the screen where with the care, I love that, that whatever that title is like character directional interface or whatever character guidance interface. That's amazing. That makes me so happy. But, um, <laughs> every time you pass a screen with that, they should just let you play Pac-Man for like a half an hour. So apparently there is, a, there is a arcade in the game that you can visit. And when you go to the arcade, you have the ability uh, to play the original Pac-Man. Now, there's also there, there's a hidden difference between the Genesis and Super Nintendo versions. And this wow. is a hidden difference that nobody will give a shit about. Um, and that's if you collect three game cartridges in, around town, the arcade will allow you to play Miss Pac-Man in the Super Nintendo version and Pac Jr. in the Genesis version. That's amazing. Which, which begs the question, why? Yeah. <laughs> no, I really want to play that game and then just go to the arcade and play the original Pac-Man. Like once I figured that out, it would have been over. That's just my greatest experience and my greatest memory of Pac-Man. And and you may have a similar one is when you used to be able to go and sit down and eat at a pizza hut with your family. Yeah. And you would sit there and you would pump quarters into the flat top Pac-Man game uh, that had joysticks on either side. Yep, and yep. you and your siblings would take turns, you know, uh, player one, player two, playing Pac-Man. That's that's oh. my uh, greatest memory of playing Pac-Man. That's and so good. Anytime somebody like brings up any other Pac-Man thing, I just like, man, I just want to play with the stick, and and, and that's it. And like uh, my son, uh, it, he plays it on his tablet. Like he got oh, nice. super into. He saw Pac-Man on. Uh, some YouTube video of some kid playing it, and he's like, "Oh, I want to play Pac-Man." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So we found some app for him to play, and it's it's hard to play on a tablet, um, yeah. because you have to swipe your finger in which direction he goes, and um, it, nothing beats original Pac-Man. No, there's know? a there's a bar here in Tulsa that that's like an arcade bar, and I think they have one of those tables there. Uh, yeah, I'm so. I'm sure I could probably find one around here too. It's just you know, right now I, I don't know about. Uh, Touching uh, joysticks no. after uh, other mouth breathers have gone and, and you know decided that they were gonna you know pull their mask down so they could see Pac-Man better. You know what I mean? No, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, yeah. You know, because uh, th- that could be a thing. It could. Um, so we have one more game to get here, uh, and I won't spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, but when I, I I'm gonna throw a game out here, Lane. And we're talking about games that are so bad it's scary. And I think a lot of times expectations can drive that thought to you. Absolutely. If you expect a game that if you if you sit down to play a game and you expect to really enjoy it, like really enjoy it, like oh this is exactly what I've been waiting for. I played the last one in the series. The next one's going to be even better. And you sit down and you you throw it in, 
and then you get into the nitty gritty of it and you realize you actually hate this game (laughs) and you don't want to play it ever. And you go and you trade it into GameStop after two weeks just to try and get the full price refund of the $36 after spending 60. You're just, you're willing to take the loss at that point because you just want it out of your house. It sounds Um, like something that happened, like literally happened. This literally happened to me um, with Monster Hunter World, Ooh, um, which is, of, of course, you know, the uh, Monster Hunter game that came out in 2018 uh, on the uh, PS4 and the Xbox One. I played it on PS4, you know, the, the way God intended. Um, <laughs> and I've played Monster Hunter games before, Lane. I've really enjoyed them. I've played similar games. I've played MMOs. I've played... Because I know that the, the first criticism is like, well, you didn't play it enough or you just – you don't appreciate deep games. No, no, no. I do. Um, but listen, uh, I can only spend eight hours killing the same monster over and over and over again with nothing that I'm doing affecting or changing it for so long. Yeah. And it just it – just, it's just so repetitive and so repetitive. And, you know, I, I'm the guy that will spend 12 hours in an RPG, a JRPG – straight leveling up and be like, yeah. man, that was a lot of fun. Like, it's rewarding. Because I'm, I'm seeing progress. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, instead of three turns, now the next time I level up with that same creature in that same area, it's only two turns. This doesn't do that. And it just, it's very, very frustrating. And and anytime that I would ask someone about it, I'd be like, hey, are you playing this? It's not any good, right? Or no, you just got to give it time. Right, right. I, and I feel like with, with Monster Hunter, that's all I've ever heard is, oh, you just got to give it time. You just got to keep going. And you know what? Time is precious. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I don't – I'm not going to spend 70 hours to get a game started. <laughs> yeah. You know, so for me, uh, my, my last entry into the so bad it's scary uh, category, um, yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm just – I you know – People, people may not like it. People may hate it. Uh, people may not know it uh, enough to have any opinion of that. But I feel like uh, in the video game world, I'm, I'm holding a controversial opinion here, Lane. That's good, though. I like that. That's that's good for, for you know, that's going to get this. We're going to go viral because of that. But no, so uh, I agree. So I love I love and hate that game is what I'll say. You sure. Know, like I, I hated that game. And like when I was 10 hours in, I almost gave gave it up and then like played a little bit more and then I played it for like a hundred more hours after that. But like I'm not super glad that I did. So I mean I I I know what you're saying. Like because after a hundred hours, so I can even attest to your experience, after a hundred hours, I still felt like the game was just getting started. Yeah. So like so like when how far does it go? You know? And one and the why? feeling yeah. <laughs> The fee, right. Also, you feel like a jerk because you're like killing all these these animals for no reason. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 but anyway, uh, and the game doesn't give you a good reason to do it either. Uh, but like then um, it gives me the same feeling that Donkey Kong 64 gives me, which is like there's so much and it's so stressful, you know. Yeah. And 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 like. I actually started playing this other game that's like Monster Hunter World. It's called Dauntless, and it's like a million times better because it's like the the same experience more or less, but progression happens really fast, and it's like amazing. So and, and see that I feel like that for me, 
that would be like if you took Monster Hunter and you sped it up and, and yeah. made progression happen, I would love it. Oh yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah, you should play Dauntless. Uh, and I might. You never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and, and we talked uh, off off recording before, but like, I mean, I've been playing Final Fantasy fourteen. I mentioned it on the podcast last week also. Um, and it's been taking up a lot of my time, but progression feels real and it's oh, actually yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and I'm going on quest and the quest makes sense in the story of the game. Whereas like with monster hunter world, you're like, well, we're on this Island. Let's go kill some monsters. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, and, and I know I'm being, uh, overly critical probably. And, and that's fine. Um, and I realized too, uh, now because I'm, I'm reading this, that I'm being, extremely critical over the game that has sold more copies uh for capcom than any other game they've ever released um (laughs) right so uh worldwide it sold uh 15 and a half million copies wow um and then the the expansion iceborne uh which i did not buy because i did not have the game uh anymore anywhere near the time that that expansion came out um which was by the way like almost two years later um that expansion sold 5 million copies. So wow. uh, Capcom, uh, I think it's safe to say, Lane, uh, that uh, Capcom will be releasing another Monster Hunter game. Um, and uh, I probably won't buy it. <laughs> Monster Hunter Universe. Monster Hunter Galaxy. Yeah, something. Or, you know, who knows. Uh, but yeah, so, and what's interesting, uh, looking back at, uh, I just wanted to, to, to look and see what the next closest game uh, for Capcom's sales were, you want to take a stab at it? Um, Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 4 is not even in the top 10. What? Even if you count all the ports? I don't know that it takes that into account. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. But so the top 10 as of June 30th this year, which is including digital distribution, uh, which is important to note. Number one, Monster Hunter World. Number two, Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. That's really weird. Then Resident Evil 5. Okay. Then Resident Evil 6. What? Which, 5 and 6, and Sandy and I went into this at length. 5 and 6 are probably the worst games in the series. Absolutely. Um, Easily. But they also came out on two systems uh, at the same time, so I think that probably helps their sales. Uh, the Resident Evil 2 remake is is the fifth highest selling game, uh, which I'll say that is an awesome that awesome is good. remake. That is good. Um, Street Fighter 2 is the first uh, non Resident Evil game uh, and Monster Hunter game on this list. Uh, that sold 6.3 million copies on the Super Nintendo. Wow. Um, which if you look at these other games, right? I mean, obviously distribution is better. You have digital distribution now. Street Fighter 2 got released 17 different ways with the, with a million different titles. Right. So for the core Street Fighter 2 game to, to sell 6.3 million, I think that's pretty impressive, uh, being only on Super Nintendo. Uh, and then you have uh, the expansion for Monster Hunter World next on the list. Wow. Then the original release of Resident Evil 2, Monster Hunter Freedom 3, which is on the PSP. What? And then Street Fighter 5 rounds out the top 10. So... If you want to know why uh, Capcom keeps making Monster Hunter and Resident Evil and Street Fighter, that would be why. There, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Mega Man. No Mega Man on that list. That's too bad. No. And, and I, I want to have you back, Lane, when we eventually do a Mega Man episode because there's nobody I know 
uh, that that knows Mega Man more. Uh, and Mega Man certainly uh, probably has a few entries that could fit on this list that we're talking about today. Definitely. Um, but you know, we're not we're not going to get into you know Mega Man sixty four or anything like that. That's uh, a good game. I'm, well, I I knew you were going to say that as soon as I mentioned that. <laughs> this is. This is our, our Mega Man 64 conversation. This is our Spider-Man 3 conversation. Yeah, this is yeah, our, you know, yeah. which again, not not for this podcast. Um, but you know, we'll we'll definitely have you on again to talk about uh, Mega Man and and uh, uh, the many iterations of that game uh, series. Um, but we've talked a lot about bad games, Lane, uh, and it's been a lot of fun. I think we've we've definitely had a good time talking about it, and and oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I've played some of those games and they're not that bad. You know, definitely tweet at us uh, at, at 8-Bit Suplex. Uh, let us know uh, what you think of any of these games. Uh, before we, I let you go, Lane, um, and then we'll get into, uh, after a, a brief commercial break, well, uh, myself uh, and uh, and uh, Dan Coffin or Sandy, uh, we're recording this a little bit uh, wonky. Either Sandy will be uh, recording the, the Impact Review with me um, or Dan will. Uh, but uh, before we go, it is Halloween. There are plenty of good games to play all around Halloween. Give me, uh, give me one or two games here uh, for the listeners to go and check out. You got it. So I think there's my favorite probably would be Super Ghouls and Ghosts, which is one of the hardest games of all time, but it's just amazing. Another Capcom one, just amazing music, so much fun. You know, get a get a friend or two over and and take turns just trying to trying to beat it. It's <clears throat> it's a great one probably one of the best gameplay experiences I've ever had is me and just a buddy, just, just not like refusing to leave until we beat that game. And, uh, it was a lot, it was a lot of pain and a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And, and, then, and that game is, is one, by the way, uh, you don't just beat the game once you have to beat it twice in a row. <laughs> yeah. And we actually didn't beat it that second time. So, so we, we counted the first one because we, we were, that was a surprise to us in the moment. So uh, yeah, I mean, and and also uh, it is like you mentioned. I, I I think you undersold how hard this game is. I, I think um, I did. Yeah. Because you get two hits. Yeah. And then you start at the beginning. Yeah. And the so, controls are are like bad on purpose, where where your jumps are not like Mario. Once you go in one direction, you're going in that direction, so you have to plan ahead. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You can you can jump. And then your direction of your jump is set. And then if you do the double jump, you can change direction on the double jump. Um, but you, if, once you do it, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. Like you can't, yeah. it's not like, you know, your, your typical uh, side scrolling platformer where you can jump and change directions midair, you know, back and forth, you jump, you're going that way. Uh, yeah. Much like you would uh, in real life. Uh, quite right. Frankly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a great game. I mean, one of my favorites ever. Um, and then the other one on here, I was going to say Zombies Ate My Neighbors is another amazing one. Great game. Uh, yeah, top-down, you know, uh, kind of game where you run around rescuing your neighbors and, and shooting zombies and throwing, throwing with, with squirt guns because you're just a bunch of neighborhood kids running around. But also great music, great game, perfect for Halloween. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and surprisingly, that one was actually developed by LucasArts. Oh, nice. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, which is it's kind of interesting because uh, that was 1993, and, and we've uh, you know go back in the archives. You can, uh, Sandy talked about you know uh, point and click adventure games being you know her favorite genre as a kid, uh, and LucasArts obviously being a huge part of that. Uh, but Zombie Ate My Neighbors, uh, you know that's definitely a, a, a top notch game out of them. 
Um, and LucasArts, uh, they published that with Konami. So nice. Uh, the Konami logo is prevalent on the box, uh, more mm. prevalent so than LucasArts, but LucasArts developed the <laughs> game and then also, you know, uh, published it as well. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to go with a more recent one. I mentioned it on the podcast last week as part of Epic Games uh, Halloween sale. Uh, but definitely, you know, go out of your way uh, to uh, go and play Costume Quest. Uh, it's written by Tim Schafer. Uh, Tim Schafer, obviously, is a, a pretty well-known uh, uh, game developer or game designer. Uh, um, he was involved with a lot of those games that I mentioned before uh, with the Lucas uh, Arts uh, games, the point-and-click adventures. Uh, the biggest one being uh, probably The Secret of Monkey Island, uh, which I think everyone knows is kind of like the, the big uh, the big one that really put them out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely go check out Costume Quest. It is a, it's an RPG. Um, we love RPGs on this podcast. Uh, Lane uh, and I, have, oh, yeah. have, are, are, you know, we we both play uh, you know RPGs uh, at length. So, uh, and it, this is a pretty short game if memory serves. Oh yeah. Uh, so you could probably you could play it through, play through it on holiday or the holiday weekend here. That is such a good idea. I mean, I, I want to play that game every year. It's one of my favorite uh, games to get me in the spirit of things. It's just really fun, but also pretty deep little RPG. So it's it's a really good one. Yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely, uh, you know, avoid those games we mentioned before and play those ones that we just mentioned now. Yeah, you and, just reminded uh, me of Grim Fandango too. I mean, that's another really good Halloween one to play. Really good, really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many. Obviously, you know, we talked about Resident Evil at the beginning of the month. Uh, can't go wrong there. Uh, Lane, you're a bigger Silent Hill guy than I am. Oh, I love um, that, yeah. Definitely, you know, check out stuff like that. Um, you know, basically, you know, pick up a horror game and play it. I uh, obviously, in, if you're not one that wants to play it, but maybe you want to watch people play it, uh, phasmophobia is really huge on Twitch right now. Um, I don't know if you're very familiar with that one at all lane. Um, but basically, uh, you, you set up, uh, as a ghost hunter in a room and you are, uh, basically you have to try and capture ghosts that uh, are definitely going to try and kill you at some point. Nice. Um, and it uses like voice recognition, so you it, it's got some really cool things. Um, but definitely, I haven't played it. I've only just seen clips of it. Um, it's probably not one I'm going to play, uh, just because uh, you know I I do sometimes turn into a little bit of a weenie with horror video games. <laughs> not so okay. much with not so much with horror movies, um, but definitely because you know I think I've seen enough horror movies. You, know, you you see enough of them, you kind of yeah, it is what it is. Uh, but I feel like with games, you're more immersed. And so you can kind of, you know, it's, it's, you're focused on keeping your character alive, not necessarily on what's going on around you. Uh, and then, you know, next thing you know, something jumps out and, and grabs you. And so, um, you know, I, which kind of reminds me, you know, I think Legends of the Hidden Temple could be a, a horror game if you ever, if you really think about it. Good. You know, there's Temple Guards, man. Yeah. Never, never know if those guys are going to pop out. But, uh, <laughs> Lane, you uh, you got anything to uh, to promote? Anything you want to throw out there? Not really. I mean, you know, I'm uh, I'm just a grad student right now, getting coffee for all the professors, so I can promote the cup of coffee that I'm gonna bring to them. But that's pretty much. <laughs> you got any? You got any, you, know. you got any good uh, regional uh, coffee places that people should check out in Tulsa? Oh man, if you're in Tulsa, yeah, you gotta check out. Uh, let's see, man, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, Chimera is a good place. Um, double shots, a good place, lots of good stuff. But yeah, if you come to, yeah, I'll, I'll show you around. 
yeah, come, come to Tulsa, Lane will show you around. Um, but yeah, so uh, everyone else, uh, you know, stick around uh, after the short break. We'll be back with the uh, Impact Wrestling re- uh, review. Um, and uh, you know what, Lane? Thanks a lot, bud. We'll see you next time. All right, sounds good. The Eight Book Suplex will be back after these messages. Hey everybody, it's Josh here. Uh, you know, if the holidays are just around the corner, I just want to make sure that everyone is aware that you can head on over to Pro Wrestling Tees slash Social Suplex uh, and pick up uh, all your latest t-shirts from the Social Suplex Podcast Network, uh, including the uh, newest uh, shirt to the bunch, which is our 8-bit suplex shirt. And, uh, you know, hey, Molly, um, how many stars uh, do you think you'd give that t-shirt? Yeah, you know what? Me too. Uh, so anyways, head on over to uh, the uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex uh, and buy all your loved ones Social Suplex Podcast Network shirt. And uh, you know what? It helps the show. It helps you uh, be a better friend and family member by giving a great gift. It's super com- super comfortable to wear around the house. Uh, so definitely make sure you go and do that. break i hope you enjoyed it uh whatever it is i'm recording this uh with uh with dan coffin my fellow dad of the group uh episode uh two impromptu of uh dad bot here we're recording this segment before i record whatever commercial i'm going to stick in the middle there so i hope you enjoy it uh <laughs> and maybe maybe dan i'll figure out uh what's kind of uh, gonna go in there uh by the end of this but dan uh welcome back buddy hey thanks for having me back this is kind of a last minute thing you know i don't know Hopefully Sandy's doing okay. Uh, yeah, she, she uh, Sandy uh, has a sinus infection. Uh, she did test negative uh, for COVID. Good. Uh, so, you know, don't sweat that. Um, and, and, and that's especially good news for you and I since uh, we got together right. to watch uh, Bound for Glory, which we're going to discuss here in a second. And Sandy was also a part of that. So she definitely made sure to go out of her way to make sure because she was around my kids too and just say, hey, listen, uh, yeah, I'm sick, but I did get tested. You're good to go. Um, which I always appreciate, uh, you know, when people are considerate, uh, Dan. Yeah. Well, I was hoping she didn't pull a Ky- <laughs> Kylie Ray on you. <laughs> oh, sure. no. Well, we're not going to get we're not going to get into that at all. Well, well, well we might a later. little bit. We might, we, might, we might touch on it. We're not going to throw out uh, theories or anything. Yeah, Impact I... still not said anything about it. Um, we, uh, As far as I know, the only, only thing I know is she wasn't injured physically. 
Um, right. And she's still in good standing with the company. So whether, you know, and, and, and when we talk about this week's episode of Impact, uh, there's a, a barrister. Yeah, that's right. I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I said barrister. There's a barrister that, that makes a comment about it that's, you know, it's kind of weird. And, and you know, thankfully, uh, Scott Demore just kind of blows right past it. Um, right. But, yeah, so uh, hopefully everything's okay in that regard. Uh, but what was uh, more yeah. than okay uh, was uh, Bound for Glory uh, 2020 here. Uh, if you're not a fan of Impact Wrestling or you don't watch Impact Wrestling regularly, uh, this is kind of like their WrestleMania. So, uh, you know, the, the card uh, that gets everyone on the card. Uh, we got a huge Call Your Shot Gauntlet match with 20, uh, 20 um, wrestlers in it. And we'll get to that here shortly. But first, we have a six-way scramble match for the Impact X Division Championship, uh, which, of course, uh, has the defending Rohit Raju against Chris Bay, Jordan Grace, TJP, Trey Miguel, and Willie Mack. Dan, what'd you think of this one here? It was okay. Um, I mean, there's a lot of parts of it that were kind of like where they set up for spots. So they were everybody, like, everybody gets in their position and stuff, which, you know, it's kind of be expected as something like this. It's got, you know, all the moving parts trying to all mesh together at the same time. So there was, there was a little bit of a standstill a couple of times, but other than that, it was entertaining. I mean, it was a good start to the show. Get, get everybody's juices flowing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, that, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, six man matches, there's obviously spots that they want to do and it's so hard to get to those spots without looking very, uh, inorganic. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes they did it better than others. Um, right. I think <clears throat> there was one, at one point TJP, uh, you know, of course the great TJP as as we like to say <laughs> here on this podcast, uh, of course. had uh, a triple, was it a triple, uh, submission, uh, in yeah. place where he had a submission on three different, uh, uh, wrestlers. And then, uh, Jordan grace, uh, was the one that actually broke it up. Um, and actually, you know, I, if, if we're talking about, you know, who looks good coming out of this match, uh, there's, like you said, there's, there's some really good spots, uh, here and there, uh, Raheem Raju does kind of, uh, you know, shit heal his way to, to a victory, uh, <laughs> stealing a pen. Um, but I think, uh, other than of course, Raheem, uh, looking good because he's still the champion. Uh, I, I think you really got to look to, uh, you know, Jordan Grace looks pretty great in, in this match, mixing it up with the guys. Um, right. at one point she did a, uh, from a almost pretty much from a tree of woe did a what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co we'll suplex uh to two guys on the top turnbuckle uh which was impressive and also got heat from uh sabu <laughs> Yeah, they had a little Twitter war this week, uh, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I don't care what Sabu has to say about anything. <laughs> I, I don't know if even Sabu even knew what he was saying. Like, I'm, I I was shocked he had a Twitter, you know? I thought he just, like, yeah. lived in a van. I thought he was, like, the wrestler, Mickey Rourke, just, like, living in a van in some random city and, like, comes out once a week to, like, do you know, knock down, drag out matches in some gym somewhere. That's a, and yeah, that might be the case, but he also might have a Twitter account. Uh, with that, so <laughs> went to the library. And <laughs> okay, yeah, who on. knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's sitting there at the public library in Des Moines, just sitting there. Cranky. I just threw Des Moines out there, some random town. That was the first one that popped into my mind. Uh, <laughs> you know, shout out to Des Moines, uh, I guess. I don't know. I've never been there. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
good match. Like I said, Rohit Raju gets the victory. Uh, it doesn't really set us up for where he's going to go next. Uh, we don't know. Uh, and after this week's uh, episode of Impact, we still really don't know what's happening with the uh, X Division as we uh, kind of start to, uh, as we put Bound for Glory in the rear view, start to look ahead to uh, Hard to Kill. Um, well, we'll figure out probably in the next uh, couple of weeks where that goes. Uh, but, you know, something that sets up a automatic title match is the Call Your Shot Gauntlet match, and that was next. And, uh, you know, this is, like I said, 20, 20 men uh, and women in this match. You have uh, Rhino entering in at number one because he lost the stipulation match uh, last right. week um, to um, Hernandez, who... Uh, was able to come in at number 20 because he, he pinned uh, Rhino after he gored uh, Alicia Edwards. Um, but we see Alicia Edwards in this match, so good to see her uh, rebounding some. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not uh, not uh, permanently injured. Um, but joining them, uh, we have uh, AC Romero, Adam Thornstowe, Brian Myers, Crazy Steve, a returning Davari, who looked unbelievably ripped. jacked man that guy's been living in the gym during quarantine or something yeah he's a, he's a body guy huh get, now he is yeah, yeah. <laughs> guy looked like an action figure walking out there i i didn't have action figures with 10 packs dan they stopped at eight when i was a kid uh follow bob was in this match the opposite of a body guy um <laughs> we see havoc uh come to the ring uh, accompanied by nevea heath of course uh is in this match too and uh, we have a returning James Storm, uh, which that was pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, it's nice to have somebody come back that you weren't quite expecting to show up. And he, yeah, he's, he's been over at NWA, right? That's correct. But he's recently, uh, recently gone from there, uh, I believe. So okay. maybe he's back at Impact. That'd be cool to see. Uh, you want to talk yeah. about another guy that's uh, unbelievably jacked? That's another one. Yeah. Um, he's got a history with Impact, too. So yes, he does. Like some- some crazy person coming out of nowhere. So right, exactly. Uh, former tag champs, and I think he also at, at one point was a TNA uh, heavyweight champion. I, but don't quote me on that. Um, and then of course uh, we also have Kira Hogan, uh, who is accompanied by Tasha Steeles. We have uh, Larry D because of course we had AC earlier. Uh, Lust of the Legend uh, because we had Thornstowe earlier. Uh, and then of course uh, Sammy Callahan gets in there, and then we have uh, a surprise appearance by uh, none other than Swaggle. <laughs> Right. It's crazy to see a McMahon on the TV for Impact, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny stuff. Uh, and, and we'll get into uh, kind of how he uh, he gets eliminated here. But uh, uh, we also have uh, Terry Valkyrie and Tennille Dashwood. And, of course, uh, uh, my best friend and yours, uh, who, you know, he has actually sent me a message on Twitter, uh, Mr. Tommy Dreamer. Um, and, uh, Tommy dreamer, of course, uh, come, come out to the ring, uh, with his, uh, road warrior animal paint, uh, on and, uh, kind of did his hair like him to, uh, to honor his late friend. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a nice little, little moment to see him come out like that. Yep. It was. And, and it's, he was wearing a, uh, special, uh, road warrior shirt. Um, so if you, uh, you know, if you want to support uh, Road Warrior Animal shirt, you can actually go and buy that shirt. I I think it's on Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I'll make sure I put the link in the show notes. Uh, all the proceeds go to Animals uh, Family, so that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, Tommy Tommy Dreamer proves to be a stand-up guy uh, time in and time out, so 
uh, good yep. on him for promoting that. Uh, but this match uh, oftentimes was a mess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, I think Brian Myers winds up with the most eliminations with six. Yeah, he went on a run there at the beginning. He, 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 was, he, was, he was going Roman Reigns, you know, Kane style, just like plowing through dudes. I think uh, at one point I said, man, they, they booked him like uh, Big Show. Uh, yeah. Rumble uh, <laughs> style where he gets the most eliminations and doesn't even come close to winning this thing. Right. But, uh, of course, you know, there could, they, we whittled this down to the last two. Now, uh, I will point out, Heath came out pretty late, like 18 or so, I think it was. Right. Yeah, it was something like that. He, and he was he, near the end there. Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, uh, he, he threw a lariat, and immediately uh, Logan, who is, is uh, Sandy's boyfriend, uh, also a wrestler, so def, you know, t- check out Tampa Bay Pro Wrestling and some other <laughs> you know, stuff that he's in. Um, he immediately goes, oh, he's hurt. I'm like, what? Like, he caught it before I think anyone else in the room did. Yeah, I didn't even notice. And and then next thing you know, he's trying to take a step, and he can't. And then I noticed he started grabbing at his side. And at first, I think everyone kind of thought, like, maybe it was his knee or his ankle or something. And I right. said, oh, man, I think that's a hernia. Um, and that's actually what it wound up being. And yeah. I can't. Uh, I can't it imagine. Was, it was really rough to watch that. I mean, because it wasn't like he got hurt and they got him out there, out of there real quick and like, oh, change of plans, you know, in like 30 seconds or something. He was like wincing in pain and rolling around. And, you know, you could see right. walking uh, along the ropes. John Callis and the, and the referee were like over on the side talking like they caught, they caught him in the shot. And uh, it was just really uncomfortable to watch the whole thing. Yeah, and and, if, and it's worth pointing out too. This is a live pay per view. They didn't pre-tape this, um, right? And because of that, you know, they they literally changed it on the fly. And of course, we know that Don Callis is you know producing it, and is probably the one that booked that match. Um, right. So tough to have your booker on commentary, uh, but you know, Josh Matthews is the is the consummate professional and was able to step in and uh, kind of carry the load there. Um, But uh, eventually he does get eliminated um, and it is by Sammy Callahan, which leaves us. I know. (laughs) Of course, I think he only screamed thumbs up, thumbs down twice uh, at bound for glory. So that's, you know, I I think that hits the under, Um, (laughs) but uh, at the end there uh, we get, uh, the one-on-one match, because as we know, the uh, gauntlet match is an impact. So they start off uh, Battle Royal style, and then the last two, it becomes a one-on-one match. Right. A little bit messy here. Uh, they obviously had to audible. Um, this was right. this was clearly set up for Heath to win to get his impact contract. Right. The stipulations uh, am, before the match, like, laid it out pretty much. You know, we all kind of thought what was going to happen, you know, the way they were right. going. And that... And then <laughs> he's hernia had other plans. Yeah. So. His hernia didn't follow the script, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, we, we get uh, Rhino in the uh, final match. And, and I feel like, because there was a lot of talking between the officials and, and the wrestlers on the ring, this, this feels like it was supposed to be Heath and Rhino at the end with Heath mm-hmm. screwing over Rhino to get his thing, not knowing that Rhino put his own contract on the line to give Heath the shot. That would have been a great booking, uh, but unfortunately we couldn't couldn't get there. Um, so Rhino uh, hits uh, Sammy Callahan with the gore and uh, picks up the victory. And uh, now Rhino is the holder of the Call Your Shot uh, trophy. 
which uh, is, I'll be honest, and I'm a little upset about this. It's a little bit nicer than uh, Toriano's <laughs> King of Pro Wrestling uh, trophy. Um, listen, man, uh, you know what? Toriano deserves better is what I'm getting at. You're, you're gonna you're gonna die alone on that hill, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Oh well. <laughs> I, I thought they is. recovered well. You know, I mean, they called the audible and and it, it completely threw them for a loop, and you could see like just the anxiety and like, oh shit, what are, what are we gonna do now, right? Um, but I feel right. like they recovered well. You know, Rhino is a pro; he can step in and take care he of it. Is. And, and, and it he looks was like clearly gassed, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, he was clearly out of out of it. Uh, maybe Sammy wasn't planning on being in there, but you just by watching him and Rhino, you couldn't really tell that he was like flummoxed or anything. So yeah, they, they recovered hit, pretty well. He hit Rhino with a pretty good side by side slam, if I if I remember, or a backdrop slam, something like that. And uh, you know, yeah, I mean the the singles matches at the end of those things never go that long. Uh, this right. I, I think uh, according to Cage Match, it went a minute forty five. Uh, which is about what they, I mean, at that point, you can make the case that both, both competitors are, you right. know, eternally tired. Reach their the limits. <laughs> I mean, uh, Rhino works this entire thing, uh, which is 25 minutes and 27 seconds. Yeah. <clears throat> which is probably 20 minutes longer than his uh, next longest match this year. So, <laughs> you know, hey, you know, shout out to Rhino uh, uh, for the victory. And, uh, We'll see uh, if they do the tag titles uh, when Heath is better or if Rhino decides not to wait for Heath. Um, it'll be interesting to see which way they go there. But next on the uh, card here, and this was the uh, – this is one where we kind of didn't know what was going to happen, how it was going to look, because it was our cinematic match. Um, and that would be, uh, of course, Moose, the self-proclaimed TNA World Heavyweight Champion, which is, of course, not a belt recognized by Impact taking on EC3 in an undisclosed location. Um, you know, Impact has a history of doing these types of things. And uh, I don't think this was bad, but I, I don't necessarily think it was good either. Um, yeah. It was confusing. <laughs> um, well, glowing praise from your host, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally confusing, raves Josh McLaughlin. <laughs> Don't think they're putting that on the DVD cover. Uh, yeah, it was just weird. I don't know. It it seemed um, like with the people standing outside, I, I, I hate to bring, you know, WWE into this because we like focus on impact, but it just had a lot of, uh, it reminded me a lot of the uh, retribution crap and also the WWE underground, which is apparently not anymore, but it, it, now, maybe they came up with the idea for all this. Like EC3, I think, said somewhere on Twitter or an interview or something that he had come up with the idea for WWE Underground, right? And they stole right. it from him. Um, so maybe that's where this stuff came from. Like he had these ideas before that was even a thing on the other brand. Um, but because it came second, you know, unfortunately, it just kind of looked derivative and not great. Right. He's getting compared to Underground versus Underground getting compared to him. Exactly. And yeah, you got both, the shitty end of the stick here. He did. And because it's it, honestly, it's better than, than the production on Underground. Oh, yes. And, <laughs> and, you know, of course, you know, our, our beloved co-host, Sandy, uh, her appearance on Underground notwithstanding. Um, right. The, just the, the camera cuts, the Shane McMahon of it all. Uh, not, <laughs> not great. 
it's like you know right. it's like hey uh shane uh here snort some Adderall and go out there bud like right. uh you know but yeah i mean we see some some uh, it was a really weird uh ring setup like there's random turnbuckle pads missing uh ec3 gets busted open uh which of course moose is wearing all white uh so that blood's just showing everywhere that ec3's face goes um, it seemed almost like a dream sequence more than a cinematic match, just with like yeah. the randomness of the turnbuckles being gone and him wearing white. And you you knew he was going to bleed because why else would a wrestler wear white, right? Yes, um, exactly. So it just seemed like, and the fact that it was cinematic, whereas the rest of the show was live, it just seemed like maybe this was like in somebody's head or something like that. You know? Yeah. And, and that, you know, <clears throat> it's unsanctioned could... too, so. <laughs> right, exactly. And Scott Demore, you know, as we've mentioned in past episodes, uh, he hasn't actually. Scott Demore has not acknowledged uh, that EC3 works at Impact, and has you know called Moose crazy for chasing after a guy that doesn't work there for right. a title that he never won. Um, so it very well could be, you know, just something that Moose is just, you know, he's just maybe going crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's literally talking to EC3 projected on the wall at times. So, you know, uh, it sets up Moose kind of being crazy on this week's episode of Impact, and we'll get into that later. Uh, but, of course, yeah, Moose does defeat EC3 uh, to the point where it looks like he's killed him. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, the uh, EC3 acolytes uh, carry EC3 out. Yeah. This is odd. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I mean, I, I, I wish I could explain it better, but I really can't uh, because that's – Pretty much what it was. Yeah. So uh, next next on here, uh, and, and I know uh, you're just waiting and dying to talk about this one, Dan, is mm. the most dangerous man in the world, Ken Shamrock, accompanied to the ring, of course, by Sammy Callahan, against, uh, you know, the pride of Boston, uh, in Impact at least, uh, Mr. Eddie Edwards. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a match uh, that in the lead up I said uh, it won't matter. That's that's a quote I said to Sandy. Uh, I said uh, to Sandy, I said, Sandy, who do you think wins this one and why does it matter? And uh, (laughs) we both predicted Ken Shamrock uh, and we both said it wouldn't matter. Um, And truthfully, it really did not seem like it did. Um, It was interesting is that, you know, the Observer does, you know, review impact pay-per-view matches. And uh, the Observer gave this match a star and a half. It goes 12 and a half minutes, and Ken Shamrock, Ken Shamrock does defeat Eddie Edwards. Um, we try to stay positive here, Dan. I don't want to dwell on the negative, which is basically the entire match. Um, but I will say uh, we got a really cool moment in the pre-show um, with Ken Shamrock being inducted into the Impact Hall of Fame. Right. And, I mean, it was a star-studded affair uh, as far as the wrestling world is con- you know, concerned. I mean, that's basically why they had this match on the show was so they could do the Hall of Fame. And, and I wouldn't say it was an induction ceremony, really. They just kept, kind right. of like brought him out and didn't even like zoom in on him when he was talking. They just like, <laughs> kind of handed him the whole thing and said, yeah, yeah, here yep. you go. But yeah, they, they had a, quite a cavalcade of uh, wrestlers, you know, past yeah. and present and, and celebrities. So And of course, but, you know, he was most popular uh, probably during the Attitude Era. Um, right. So anybody that he worked uh, was pretty much available, uh, I think, for him to uh, you know send in. Especially since because of COVID restrictions, it would all be uh, video uh, video congratulatory statements. 
Um, so, you know, it kicked off with Bret Hart, which was, I, I hadn't heard about that ahead of time. No, um, that was a surprise. That was a pretty cool one too. He actually, I think gave the longest video. Um, of course, Mick Foley, uh, sent in a, uh, a video as well. Um, and, uh, Mick, Mick buries the lead, uh, and says, uh, he's only the second coolest member of the rock and sock connection, uh, to be right. a part of the ceremony. And something I never thought I'd see, uh, in a million years was Dwayne Johnson, AKA the rock being on a impact wrestling pay-per-view to congratulate his friend, Ken Shamrock. Uh, on a scale of 10 to like 300, how pissed off is Vince McMahon that that Dwayne Johnson uh, potentially popped a rating uh, for Impact? Uh, I don't know if he even knows Impact exists. I mean, <laughs> it's Vince, so he's probably he not know. too pissed off. I'm sure he heard something about it. Um, probably not too worried about it. A um, couple of things about it I thought were interesting was they didn't call him Dwayne Johnson. They called him The Rock. They which, did. Isn't that like a trademarked name for WWE, you would think? Or maybe – I i don't know if Dwayne owns it now. I, I'm not sure I, how, all I, the legalities on that. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, if Dwayne has it now. But, yeah. I mean, he I mean, owns I'm, the, I'm, the I'm, XFL uh, now. He might as well buy the you know, trademark yeah, the to the Rock, the rock. I think that uh, – it looks like okay, so Dwayne Johnson does now own the right to the name uh, The Rock. I just googled oh, it. Thank there you. you go. Google, thank you to the uh, Google machine. Uh, it was of course formerly owned uh, by Vince McMahon and the WWE, and so any movie that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in, Vince McMahon actually got executive producer credits for because he owned the character. Of course he did. Right. <laughs> so uh, there's there's the your precursor uh, of owning their Twitch and Cameo and everything, right? Right. There's the, the late nineties version of, of that. <laughs> <laughs> and and now you know more about uh, the uh, naming rights. So but yeah, I guess since you know Dwayne owns it, it's it's a fair game, but it still is is kind of a stunning thing. Um, a huge deal. I mean nobody yeah. ever thought that would happen. I mean the rocks never really been anywhere else right he's he's been born and bred you know wwe so that was surprising um it, it's extremely surprising especially given that his daughter currently works for wwe yeah. in the training center you know maybe maybe or in the performance center let me make sure i get that name right so i don't get any uh, papers um but you know it, it must be he's got to know something about maybe how far someone's going to wind up going in there or you know maybe she's you know, i I can't imagine that he would do anything that would jeopardize what she wants to accomplish. So I don't think that this means we're going to see Dwayne Johnson on TNT. Right. right. Um, but doing a thing for his buddy and, and getting a free plug for his tequila brand. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> of course. you know, and you know, he clearly had, uh, he still had his nice shirt on and was in his backyard still from the Joe Biden uh, endorsement. video. Yeah. That was the other thing I thought was pretty pretty hilarious is like he filmed one of those immediately after the other because he was wearing the same shirt it was the same camera angle it's yep. like sa same time of day you know it was, it was pretty funny on that <laughs> it was pretty funny it, but you know what uh and it was the only one that looked like it was shot professionally uh the other videos oh, yeah. were all very much iphone videos like selfie videos it, i mean <laughs> Would you be surprised if Impact paid for cameos just to <laughs> get those for 
for Ken? I mean, I feel like I feel like they would have. I feel like uh, Brett would have probably declined it. <laughs> Mick wouldn't. I think Mick would be like, "Oh, I got a cameo, cool." Uh, but and then he'd be like, "Oh, for Ken Shamrock, of course." And then you know, I'm sure Brett probably called and was like, "Dude, you gotta you gotta pay my rate, dude. Like, what yeah. are you doing? This is a professional appearance." So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we spent enough time, I think, talking about Ken Shamrock. Uh, you know, maybe one day when he hangs up the boots, uh, hopefully soon, um, we'll talk more about uh, maybe uh, you know some some of the historical, uh, you know, pretty good. He's had some good matches in the past, but I think those are pretty much all like 25 years ago at this point, almost. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd rather be talking about him in the Hall of Fame and some of his older matches than this match right here. I mean, this was just... We did a great dark. job avoiding this match. So. <laughs> it was not great. It I think... 12 I, minutes. I mean, come on. It should have been I, two. <laughs> I think we've avoided it uh, enough that we said that we covered it so we can move on to the uh, four-way uh, Impact World Tag Team title match. Um, this one, uh, the Observer gives three stars. So pretty good rating there from Dave and the gang. Yeah, not bad. Um, 14 and a half minutes. We have the uh, defending Motor City Machine Guns um, against the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, and of course the tag team of Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. Uh, now, at the start of this, during the entrances, uh, Josh Alexander takes Alex Shelley and gives him what we all cringed on the couch. Uh, watching yeah. this, a brutal pile driver at the top of the ramp. This show it's, loves pile drivers, don't they? They do. I mean, <laughs> listen, outside outside of WWE, you're going to get a lot of pile drivers. Um, I will say that you know AEW more so does the Canadian Destroyer style, you know, kind right. of thing. Uh, maybe a little too much. Um, but pile drivers is like that's the most brutal move you can do in Impact uh, canon, I think. Um, it's and really, brutal. I mean, it they, is a brutal move. <laughs> it is a brutal, brutal move. Um, and the way that Shelly acted on Twitter afterwards, because he was removed from this match, um, it, it was very hard to tell uh, at first if it was uh, a work or a shoot. Um, but Shelly seemed to say that he was like he legitimately couldn't feel anything in his hand at first. Um, so you know, but we all know uh, workers love to work and fans love to get work. So. Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm believing that too much. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe I am. Uh, but listen, I mean, we both saw well, the. I mean, impact, maybe they had so a pile driver at the driver. beginning, and they and they nailed it pretty pretty good. You know, it could be right. both. It could be either way. So, uh, but needless to say, uh, Chris Saban uh, works his ass off in this match. Spends the majority of the time in the ring uh, as the single uh, wrestler without a tag partner. Um, but ultimately, at the end, uh, the North winds up pinning Carl Anderson, um, which I thought was an interesting decision also uh, because we have not seen the Good Brothers lose, period. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, Carl Anderson, I, I believe he gets hit in the face with one of the titles and uh, gets rolled up, and that's all she wrote. Uh, but, you know what? Pretty good match here. Like I said, the Observer gave it three stars. Uh, it's about a seven right now on Cage Match. So people really like that match. And, and I'll good. be honest. I, you know, it, it's it, if the main event didn't happen, this might have been the match of the night. Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it didn't overstay its welcome. Uh, I was really surprised that Saban had to do it alone because uh, yeah. most machine guns are great workers. Um, but yeah, it was pretty good. 
we didn't have to watch Doc Gallows too much, so that's not bad. Um, <laughs> but like we were talking about when we were watching the show here, you know, we also watched New Japan. So right. I didn't know, like we had talked about, like if the Good Brothers lose, you know, could they possibly be in any World Tag League? So I don't know. We'll see, right? I mean, they didn't win the titles, so they're not no, going to be on and, Impact as much. And they, they were backstage uh, on this week's Impact uh, and a backstage clip and a little brawl. Um, but I mean, they could have easily taped that. I mean, they taped it already, like right. way in advance. So who knows how much is taped for after Bound for Glory? I imagine they didn't get very far, um, because of what happened with this next match, which feels like a a pretty hot shot uh, audible that they had to to call. Um, like we we mentioned at the top, uh, Kylie Ray does not appear here for her uh, challenge to Deanna Perrazzo. Um, we, you know, it's been pretty well documented that, you know, Kylie Ray in the past has had some mental health uh, complications um, and, and some things. And, and we definitely want to be sensitive to that. Um, we definitely, you know, hope that she's okay, first and foremost, because she's not said anything on social media. Nobody seems right. to know what the full story is. Uh, the observer doesn't know. Uh, Sean uh, Sean Ross doesn't know. Um, so we're all just kind of waiting uh, to hear what exactly happened, and we may never know what exactly happened. Um, and you know, and if it is some, a, a personal issue, it, it's not really for us to know about, right? Um, so hopefully everything is okay with her. But uh, for the match itself, Deanna Perrazzo is introduced first. Um, then Kylie Ray's music hits. Nobody comes out. Deanna makes a comment like, see, she's not been here all day. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm the virtual, so I'm gonna defend this title against any man, woman, anything. And I keyed in when she said anything. Right. Cause at that point I was like, because I was thinking, okay, who's she gonna defend against now? Because she's at the ring. She's gonna and then when she said anything, that that tipped me off in my head. I was like, Oh, we're getting Sue Young now. Right. Um and Sue Young. Um who is uh you know a pretty pretty creepy character, Dan, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> not too many not too many characters that try to go for that creepster kind of monster devilish kind of look, uh pull it off quite the way that Sue Young does here. Yeah, she moves pretty demonically. Um she, she I wouldn't wanna like see her out in like a in like a graveyard or anything, right? Sure. Exactly. <laughs> or at the set of Halloween Havoc uh this week uh, on NXT. Right. Um Exactly. Yeah. Uh, she could give Shotzi a run for her money out there, right? <laughs> well, it, uh, Shotzi, uh, you know, uh, was looking great out there. Did a good job hosting that show. Uh, maybe at some point, uh, Sandy and I, you know, discussed maybe doing like a a special quick uh, Halloween special review. Maybe you'll see that. Uh, maybe you won't. If you do see it, look for it. Uh, if you don't see it, too bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dims the brakes. Hey, listen, the card's always subject to change, Dan. That's right. Um, and that's As what we've we seen with throughout the show, too. right? Right. So, uh, you know, Sue Young comes out. Uh, it's a pretty good match. Uh, I liked it a little bit better than the Observer did. Uh, the Observer gives it two stars. Uh, the match goes 15 yeah, minutes, was, five seconds. It was better than that. <laughs> it was better than two, I thought. And and I think that they're uh, – unfortunately, the rating goes based off of the fact that it was supposed to be Kylie Ray in the match. Right. Um, and we were all pretty, you know, juiced up for that and ready to go. Um, and, and and I think Sue Young stepped into a really difficult space 
Um, and she did great. I, yeah, I thought the match was really good. Uh, the mandible claw with the, uh, the bloody lace glove. Uh, I mean, nice. Listen, Always a nice touch. <laughs> oh, listen, if you do a mandible claw, but it's just your bare hand. Okay. That's pretty brutal. Right. I can understand that, but you do it like, you know, it's not Mr. Sacco level of gross. But a no. bloody lace, but a bloody lace glove. I mean, it, it's up there. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Six of one, yeah. half dozen of the other on that. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And I will say, you know, shout outs to uh, you know Dr. Britt Baker for using a uh, a uh, latex glove, like a, a yeah. true dentist would, um, for when she does her mandible claw variation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sue Young, you know, winds up getting the victory here on Diana Perazzo. Um and you know what? I really enjoyed the match. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll see kind of where the story goes. We've been speculating that Sue Young was coming for a while. Uh, they've been talking about it. Madison rain, uh, has been talking about it on commentary for like six weeks. Um, right. that Susie's starting to, you know, oh, that was something that Sue Young would have done. Oh, that's right. Sue Young's move. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, we thought it was going to come. It probably came a little early. Uh, yeah, they, it seems like they pulled the trigger on this, like just out of necessity. Um, yeah. But it seemed to work out, right? Yeah, it did. I think it did. Um, and and they've, you know, they have a, a kind of a goofball angle to get to the rematch uh, for this title um, with this week's episode of Impact, and we'll get into that with the barrister and that whole ordeal is just kind of nuts. Uh, but this is a good match. Uh, it stands on its own. It's a pretty. I mean, you want to talk about good, you know, women's matches. Uh, this one's up there. You know, I yeah. think definitely, definitely, if you enjoy women's wrestling, this is a match for you to watch. <clears throat> but uh, that leaves us with one match here on our uh, Bound for Glory review, Dan. Uh, and that is the Impact World Title match between uh, the defending Eric Young and the challenger who's overcome all odds to get to this match. One Rich Swan, who threw us all for a loop because he decided to shave off all of his facial hair. Looks like a totally different guy. <laughs> I I literally had to double take because I've been watching Rich Swan probably what? Uh, since the Cruiserweight Classic, uh, that, right. that time frame. Like three uh, or four years. Three or four years uh, pretty closely. And um, I was just completely blown away by how different the man looked. Uh, he looked like, I don't know, 10 years younger. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and also, I guess, you know, if you want to be the baby face in the match, you better have that baby face cooking, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, I thought this match was really good. Um, it was uh, worthy of the main event, uh, certainly. Uh, it goes 21 minutes, 31 seconds. The Observer gives it three and a half stars, um, which is a pretty good rating out of them for, uh, for an impact match, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, you know, Rich Swan. Uh, overcomes the odds again and uh, beats Eric Young. Yeah, it was a pretty good match. I mean, I'll say this about it. it I feel like it saved the whole show for me, right? Yeah. It, the whole show, the show before this, it, it had it, it had some ups, a lot of downs. They were having production issues all night, which we hadn't they really were. mentioned before too. Um, yeah. So it, it was just, it was like, yeah, to compare it to another uh, uh, company again. When we went to see All Out, right? Yeah. It was like that that show just felt cursed to us from like the beginning of the show and like just things kept going wrong and it seemed like we were on that path with this show too. Um but they pulled the nose up at the end, I think. 
And the, this match, it started out a little slow, but it built up. And it was it was almost like a kind of a, a New Japan style match to me, where they yeah. built it up, and, and then at the end they were just going for it, right? And then uh, you know a great ending, and and we got a new champion out of it. Yeah, and and you know, I, and I had thought maybe they didn't do the title switch here, um, just because you know there's no crowd to cheer for the baby face. But they did a good job with the you know the locker room coming out and hoisting Rich yep. up and. Uh, I will point out, you mentioned the, the production issues. Uh, right at the start of the show, uh, they had started rolling the intro package, and then they didn't like what it looked like, I guess. Uh, and then they paused it. Like, you actually saw uh, a mouse cursor come up and pause the video, <laughs> rewind it, and then push play again at the start of the pre-show. Um, mm. So I don't know if the problem was with access. I don't know if it was with the studio in the impact zone. Uh, there's a story going around that uh, – the French language uh, um, broadcast had to get scrapped last minute, um, mm. even though the French announcers were there. Uh, they just couldn't they couldn't broadcast it properly. The sound wasn't uh, sound wasn't that. working. Yeah, so uh, tons of production issues, um, but you know overall the show is good. I think we at the time before the main event we were saying this is kind of like a pretty good episode of Impact. Mm-hmm. Um, with some good matches and, and you know not a lot of backstage stuff. Um, and then this match definitely was a, a pay-per-view worthy match uh, for sure. Um, right. Eric Young busted out that uh, that middle rope wheelbarrow uh, neck breaker, um, <laughs> which yeah, if, if what I'm describing doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't make sense by words. You just have to go and watch it because it's pretty insane. Uh, yeah, I've never seen anything like that. I hadn't either. Um, so, you know, kudos to those guys, uh, for, as you said, pulling the nose up. Um, and you know, it's kind of fitting, uh, that we inbound for glory with those two guys. And then we pick up immediately with this week's impact with Eric Young and Rich Swan going at it again backstage. Uh, of course, uh, Rich Swan is dressed, you know, to celebrate he's in his, you know, his dress clothes, his, you know, his slacks, his, uh, boat shoes, you know, he's just kind of chilling. Eric Young is full gear just ripping into him backstage. <laughs> um, eventually the brawling gets out to the ring and it, the brawling goes on for a very long time before security and Scott, the Moore and everyone come out. Um, yeah. It was a little even, lax on the uh, security on that, but uh, it was funny, but even uh, Josh Matthews was like, uh, is somebody coming out here? Like, <laughs> and then he's like, well, finally Scott, the Moore and the security staff are out here. Like, uh, Josh Matthews always does a, I think a pretty funny job of, uh, kind of pointing out the, uh, the kind of the silliness of, of what's going on on the screen. Right. Um, but, uh, Eric Young is screaming about his rematch. Scott, the is like, no, you don't get your rematch this way. This isn't how it, how it's done. Uh, you got to do it the right way. You got to actually get it booked. And then Rich, uh, says, you know what? No, let's do this thing. So Rich Swan in slacks and bare feet. Uh, agrees to uh, let Eric Young cash in on his rematch clause. And uh, you know what? I like this match a lot too. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was short. Um, it, was. it was, it was like three minutes or something like that. Um, this quick, hard hitting match. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it is another match where it made me want to see them continue their feud and see another match with them possibly down the road. Yeah, and and it, it's, it'll be interesting to see because I don't I agree with you I don't think that they're going to be done with this feud, um, yeah. just because it doesn't really seem anywhere else for Eric Young to go right now. 
And right. he's been so good for them during this period since Slammiversary. Uh, I can't see them just, you know, cooling him off off TV. It just doesn't make yeah. sense. I think this will go to hard to kill. Maybe they'll have another match there. Yeah, they'll probably have some kind of no DQ, uh, stick to the hard to kill theme, something like up, that. Up the stakes. Yeah. Um, we do see uh, Rich Swan backstage throughout this episode, uh, interacting with different talent. Um, you know, he at one point uh, runs into Moose. Moose uh, says that Rich is only second best, uh, of course, because he's the TNA uh, World Heavyweight Champion and Rich is only the Impact Champion. Um, and I think this man's out of else. his mind. What is he doing? He's he is really out of his gourd. And I think there's someone else that that Rich talks to backstage. Um, I can't think of it, but uh, I do want to point out that uh, Rich Swan and Slacks and No Shoes did uh, for his finisher do a second rope Phoenix Splash. Um, yeah, I, I was watching insane. that. I was like, is he going to go to the third row? No, he's doing it off the second rope. What is it? He's nuts. I mean, but he still nailed it. So. He nailed it. That, Good it, for him. It might even be better than Rich Swan in full gear from the third rope. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I neither one of us trains, so I don't know how much more stable the second rope is than the third rope for jumping purposes. Um, right. Maybe he just figured if I'm going to slip, it's going to be not as far from the second rope. That's kind yeah, of how that, I thought. That might have been a like not as you know. much elevation. So, so but yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. We'll have to right. check with Josh number one on that. <laughs> His expertise. Well, we we might check with Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy. Sandy's been at this a little bit longer, I think, than Josh number one. Yeah. Um, and then you know, and, and certainly we can ask Logan. Uh, Logan does do some uh, some jumping from the turnbuckles, and uh, Logan has actually got like a hundred matches under his belt already. So, uh, you know. And he's not been doing it a long time. So, like I said, I mentioned it earlier, but keep your eyes on Logan Cruz. Um, he was supposed to uh, have a match with a major promotion, uh, and then it wound up getting scrapped because of uh, COVID. Um, so uh, that's very unfortunate. Yep. Uh, and, and not from him. Uh, I, I want to point that out. He didn't. He wasn't the one that caused the scrap. So uh, next up on the uh, the docket here, we have. Brian Myers versus Tommy Dreamer in the hardcore Halloween match. And uh, this match I thought was a lot of fun. I did too. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it was, they pulled out some crazy stuff. Like um, I, I laughed out loud when Tommy hit Brian with the ring bell in his crotch. Yes. <laughs> I'm a sucker for stuff like that. <laughs> and the best part about that is, is that that would literally do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like the right to put the ring bell, the wooden part of the ring bell, up against the crotch, and then ring the bell. Uh, it's it makes a silly a funny noise. It's a I mean, silly so spot. It's entertaining. And it's Tommy. Listen, Tommy is you know, anytime you put Tommy out there with unlimited weapons, I you know he is of course the innovator of violence. Exactly. And he's he's going to innovate, right? Uh, the <laughs> ring bell spot was pretty funny. Uh, there's you know he had the, the trash can out uh, ringside. And Brian Myers at one point tries to pick up a tra- the trash can, um, which has a uh, walker on top of it, um, <laughs> and he can't pick it up. And we're just like, I was like, I the whole time I was racking my brain, I was like, what the hell is in that trash can that they're trying right. to sell? Like, is it like bricks? Is it like what is it? Right? Like, and obviously he's selling that he can't, but he obviously pick it up. Um, but I was just I couldn't figure it out. And of course, you know, after he can't pick it up, Tommy Dreamer, you know, gets him off of it. 
and then pretends to walk with the walker, like, oh, you think I'm an old man, huh? And he just whacks the shit out of him <laughs> with that walker. It was great. <laughs> it, it really was. And then, uh, of course, uh, and this was the scariest part of the match for me, he takes a, a bag of candy corn and thumbtacks. Uh, I'm more worried about the candy corn, Dan, uh, than the thumbtacks for Tommy Dreamer, just because uh, I'm, you know, maybe I'm in the minority, but uh, candy corn is absolutely disgusting. I'm not a fan. I don't like candy corn. But I also don't like thumbtacks either. So. <laughs> That's a fair point. A fair point. So, of course, you know, because it's Tommy Dreamer, because it's a hardcore match, there's going to be thumbtacks. You know, I've told Tommy before, man, hey, lay off the thumbtacks, will you? I don't need to see that anymore. And he said, well, I don't need to see it anymore either. And yet he still does it uh, time and time again. So, Tommy, uh, once again, man, hear my plea. No more thumbtacks. Please. <laughs> I know you weren't the one that took the bad bump in it, but please, no more thumbtacks. Uh, but, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, at one point, uh, Brian Meyer or Tommy goes up on the turnbuckle to uh, attempt to do something. Uh, Brian Meyer slips away, climbs up on the turnbuckle, starts hitting him. Tommy counters by biting him in the forehead mm-hmm. uh, in more of a gnawing uh, kind of motion. <laughs> Did you ever play the 8-bit Nintendo game, Pro Wrestling? There was the uh, the fish man that would bite your face. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> well, I mean, if, there, if anyone on the Impact roster could be called a fish man, I think it would probably be Tommy Dreamer. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he just, I mean, you know, as a joke, but also literally he looks like he'd be one of those guys out of, you know, Pike's Place Market, uh, Fish Market in uh, Seattle, you know, just catching fish and throwing them at each other, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that feels like a Tommy Dreamer kind of job. Um, but, you know, he does the bite, the gnaw, and then he goes, bye-bye. And he just shoves Brian Myers, falling back uh, like he shot out of a cannon just with a two-hand shove. And he lands flat back on the candy corn and thumbtacks. Uh, and he picks up a million of these things, Dan. Yeah, it looked rough. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how you learn to do something like that, man. I, if I get one thumbtack and, like, stick it in my thumb on accident, you know, I'm, like, running right. around like a baby. You make it a literal thumbtack, right? And then that's, yeah. that's that. Yeah, I – sharp metal objects um don't i don't really want any part of that and what's crazy too is and and i've always thought this too when you talk about pro wrestling thumbtacks the referee still has to count three on that mat yeah that was and, the one thing i noticed he was just smacking right in the middle of that i, I was like he's gonna hard. just like impale his hand with these tacks and I, he I was, was going like, with a full hard three count there dan crazy I'm like, man, if I, what happens if he hits his hand on a thumbtack and it sticks? He's not going to be yeah. able to continue. He's going to go, ah, in the middle of it, right? Like, Just I guess you can make that part of an angle of the match, right? <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you know, Brian Myers uh, does eventually uh, uh, wind up losing. So, nice to see Tommy Dreamer get off the snide here. He's lost a few matches in a row. Uh, but, you know, hey, you give Tommy Dreamer 10 minutes, uh, 11 minutes here, uh, 43 seconds, uh, to come up with some violence. Uh, you did have some help, though. You, you, you did. You oh, the mission. I did. What was in the I, trash completely, can. I completely forgot. <laughs> and this is a callback to Bound for Glory uh, because uh, we mentioned Swoggle uh, did come into the gauntlet match uh, at Bound for Glory. He and Brian Myers, of course, are really good friends. Uh, historically, they go way back. Brian Myers uses his help to eliminate. Uh, who is it that he eliminated? Was it Davari? I believe it was Davari he eliminated so. with the help of, of Swoggle. 
He needed some help with Devari. That man was a tank. <laughs> he was. I I mean I I know it sounds like like we're swooning over the guy, but really the guy I mean the guy was absolutely was jacked. Good, <laughs> good for him. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back back to that. Uh, so then uh, Brian Myers uh, has Swaggle seated on like the top rope after his getting his help uh, eliminating Devari. Uh, and then he just kind of says, hey, man, good to see you. He's like, oh, yeah, man, good to see you, too. And then he just shoves him off into the arms of Davari, uh to the outside, eliminating Swaggle. Very rude, very, very heelish. Very unprofessional, you know? Right. For the most professional wrestler, uh, Brian Myers, to be so unprofessional is just horrible. Um, but then uh, fast forward to Tuesday night in the finish of this match, we find out uh, what is in the trash can. And it is actually, of course – uh, none other Swoggle. than Swoggle, who uh, comes out and uh, helps Tommy Dreamer by taking salad tongs mm-hmm. and squeezing Brian Myers' giblets with it. <laughs> As Which, one does with your salad tongs, right? I mean, what else would you do, right? Uh, and I, I will say when he did it, I, I legitimately laughed out loud um, just at the pure, the pure nonsense of it. <laughs> Right. It was completely expected when you saw the salad tongs and you saw Swoggle what was going to happen. But sometimes well, the expected thing when it happens, it's the best. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and you know, I mean, if you've watched uh, Swoggle uh, at all over the years, you know that he is a, a great height for low blows um, mm-hmm. because for him, they're pretty much straight blows. Um, and so they, they definitely use that here. And uh, get Tommy Dreamer the win. And hey, listen, no DQ is no DQ. You know what I mean? Moving right along, um, yeah, we had the I mean, tag I, match. we had the tag match next. I was trying to think if there was anything to talk about backstage. There's a lot of so this episode has as the the wedding of Rosemary and, and Johnny Bravo, and we'll talk um, a decent amount about that because that's kind of pretty much we're almost done with all the wrestling in this show. Uh, there's only four matches. Um, and we'll spend some time. So there's a lot of backstage stuff with the wedding. And Hernandez comes after Fala Ba. Fala Ba says he doesn't have the money. I only took the money from you for Johnny Bravo. And Bravo finds out that he told Hernandez about the money. And he's like, listen, I'm going to tell Hernandez that you have the money still because you do. And I never told you to take it from him. So he's going to whoop your ass. It was just a, it was kind of a mess of a backstage. It was an extra storyline that's. It was extraneous, and I didn't really follow, and I was just kind of half paying attention during it. It just seemed like filler. Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of this episode feels like, is a lot of filler, just to get to the wedding. Um, Because no real reason for Triple XL and and the Rassels to wrestle a third or maybe fourth time in the past two weeks. Um, They have good matches together, and I'll say that. And Mm -hmm. and I do want to point out that Larry D and AC Romero, uh, obviously both, uh, really doing an awesome job, losing a lot of weight, uh, getting healthier. Um, and, and they were already talented wrestlers before weight loss. Weight loss is not, you know, giving them any more value in any sort of way uh, other than, you know, hopefully it's making them healthier and be, be uh, more in control of that, um, yeah. that aspect of I mean, their personal they, lives. They're still dwarf most of the guys in, that they're oh, in the sure, ring with. Sure, Right. <laughs> Even after losing 100 pounds. So. Right. I mean, AC Romero went from 475 to 375. Um, and, and a lot of people are, are still very, like, listen, tune out Twitter comments. Just don't, if you want to, like, read what the people that you follow post, do that. 
don't read the threads because it will show you just this ugly side of humanity, uh, especially in, in professional wrestling Twitter. Um, yeah. There's no reason uh, whatsoever to, to talk about, you know, oh, I doubt you've lost that much weight. Man, 475 to 375 is a huge deal. Um, <laughs> it's a whole person. It's a whole person. And you know what? Uh, our, our hat's off uh, to both uh, AC and then Larry's. I don't think lost that much, but they both have slimmed up. They're they're really trying to, to get better at their craft. Um, I thought they, they performed pretty well here with the Rascals, who are, of course, you know, a couple of, of really lightweight cruiserweights. Yeah, uh, Wentz. They have some good chemistry between the two teams. Um, you know, Triple XL, they, they have their style, and then the Rascals have their high-flying, you know, RLPW style. And you really wouldn't think they would mesh together that well, but they, they play off each other pretty well, I think. So I enjoyed they all do. the matches they've had. They do, and I think that's probably why we get that, that match again here, is just because, like, okay, well, we've got a, some clear audibles. You know, I'm, maybe there was supposed to be a Heath and Rhino thing this episode, right. and they had to pivot from it. Oh, we got to throw a tag team match out there. We can't run back, uh, you know, mostly machine guns because Shelly's not ready. So throw out this one, right? And it's a match that you can go to, uh, obviously. Um, and they do a pretty good job. Um, they actually, Triple uh, XL gets the win from a Larry D splash, um, <laughs> which I did not think that we'd ever see. Um, but like I mentioned, he's lost some weight. He's looking pretty good. And uh, it was a pretty, I mean, it wasn't like the prettiest splash ever. Uh, it kind of flailed a little bit when he jumped. Uh, but for a man that uh, of that stature to get up on the top rope and do it, you know, hats off to him. Yeah, definitely. Take some, take some courage, <laughs> take some skill. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, big ups, I believe it was Dez, uh, who ate the splash. Um, you know, after, after, you know, working a match to, to take a splash from a guy that's, you know, twice your size, even though, you know, it was a safe splash. There was no, like it, it hit where it was supposed to, uh, right. that still can't feel like a million bucks. Uh, I can't no. imagine. Um, so, but you know, kudos to those guys. Great match. Uh, for, for a Tuesday night, uh, probably the match of the night, uh, if we don't, well, I, from a traditional like hardcore match, match. <laughs> traditional match, the hardcore Halloween match was the best match of the night. Um, there's not much to say about this next one. Um, they did uh, during bound for glory. They announced that they're bringing back the knockouts tag team titles, uh, which is awesome. Um, they obviously have a bunch of teams already set up, um, to kind of, go for this one of those teams is obviously Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles um and of course they have kind of a funny backstage moment where Alicia Edwards is kind of left going like well, who wants to be a partner with me like I gotta find a partner like what's going on right. here and uh Tennille is uh in a part of that group uh standing by with Caleb with a K Jordan Grace is standing there they're kind of the three that are left waiting uh Jordan and Tennille exchange a, a glance and just go uh no and then they walk <laughs> off uh, Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles try to bully Alicia a little bit about not having a partner. And Jordan says, you know what? I'll be your partner tonight. We're going to teach these girls a lesson. And uh, so that's our final wrestling match of the night is a knockouts tag team match uh, between Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles versus Alicia Edwards and Jordan Grace. And I think my favorite part of this match was Alicia Edwards trying to flex like Jordan Grace during their uh, intro. <laughs> and and that's yeah. not to take away from the wrestling in the ring because uh, you know, the girls worked their asses off uh but she definitely at one point you know jordan does her uh her turnbuckle spot when she does her intro and does the big flex 
And in the corner of the screen, you see Alicia standing on the bottom rope, uh, throwing <laughs> up a flex. And, and, you know, you can see Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles are like shoot laughing at it. Right. Like they're not in character. Right. Like they're having such a hard time just because uh, we know Big Mama Pump uh, has got much larger arms than Alicia Edwards does. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but getting into the match a little bit, uh, you know, it was fun. It wasn't. It wasn't anything uh, spectacular, so to speak. No, um, it's just. It, it kind of seemed was, more yeah. like, more like a filler match. You know, it was okay. Yeah. Um, they, they uh, kind of slightly building towards the knockouts tag, uh, tournament, title, yeah, tournament. Um, but really, nothing of, <laughs> nothing of substance really happened during it. No, I think probably the best move of the match uh, was uh, Alicia Edwards went for a tag. Uh, and Tasha Steeles caught her midair and actually took a couple of steps and turned and, and turned it into a spine buster, um, right. which was pretty nice. Yeah. You, know, you don't really see a, a lot of strength moves out of Hogan or Steeles. Um, so uh, pretty solid there uh, out of Tasha Steeles. She, of course, gets a roll up uh, on Alicia Edwards uh, with a schoolgirl, not to be confused with the schoolboy roll up, <laughs> the schoolgirl roll up. School person. Uh, school person. Um, so. Uh, that's the wrestling for the show. Uh, I do want to point out, uh, possibly, uh, the next feud for Moose is Willie Mack, uh, after he assaults right. him in the parking lot, uh, after a conversation they had earlier in the night, uh, when Moose confronted Rich, because of course, Willie Mack and Rich Swan are best friends. Uh, Willie Mack keeps losing for, for Rich Swan, uh, <laughs> for Rich Swan's honor. He's got to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Stop picking, stop picking fights with guys. Stand bigger up for than, yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and I love, well, you know, this show loves Willie Mack. So, you know, we definitely, uh, we want Willie to win something. That's why we pointed out. Well, I think those guys can have some good matches as long as I, I don't want to see a cinematic match between the two, but you know, they're both big athletic guys. They could probably go. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, like you said, I, that's a great point out of you because I think that match will be awesome. Um, yeah. and I don't think it lasts all the way to hard to kill. Maybe we get that with the, uh, the November or the December network special, uh, on impact right. plus. Yeah, we'll see. We, I mean, we got, you know, two two minor cards to fill for those shows, and then of course, uh, hard to kill uh, in January. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, let's talk about what is the, uh, I guess, the main event, so to speak. Everybody's of, favorite thing in wrestling: weddings. It's a, it's a wrestling <laughs> wedding. Wrestling weddings, as you know, Dan, never go wrong. Right. <laughs> I've never seen one go right. Um, I've seen a lot of wrestling weddings in my time. <laughs> what's uh, what's your favorite wrestling wedding? Oh, I mean, well, I mean, I guess one kind of went right with Macho Man and Elizabeth. Um, true, true. Until it went I, wrong later on when they when they yeah. unfortunately divorced. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we've we've seen what it was a, uh, what was it uh. Teddy Long and Crystal, I think they got married once on SmackDown, uh-huh. and that went yep. bad. Um, there was uh, Don Marie and Tori Wilson's dad, Al Wilson, had a, had a had a wedding yep. that went uh-huh. wrong. <laughs> yes. Billy and Chuck were supposed to get married during SmackDown one time, and I think that went wrong. <laughs> Test and Stephanie, you know, that's probably one of the the greatest horrible weddings of all time. Uh, yeah, that one was woof. I, I don't know that I uh, can condone the uh, 
subject matter necessarily for that one. Um, I'm just I'm looking through a list of wrestling weddings here. Um, <laughs> uh, Stacy Stacy Keebler and David Flair and Monday Night. Oh Joe yeah, back Classic. in 2000. <laughs> uh, Billy and Chuck, you're correct. Uh, we're supposed to get uh, married. Um, uh, Bischoff uh, and you know made sure that didn't happen. Uh, this right. is post WCW. Uh, when he makeup employed. off, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Um, let's see, let's see. Kane and Lita. Uh, <laughs> Edge and Lita. Come on, Lita. Uh, shout out to shout out to Amy Dumas though. Um, Edge and Vicky Guerrero. How can you forget? Oh. Um, <laughs> and then you know we've had a few in Impact as well. Uh, you know, Kurt and Karen Angle. Uh, you know, we'll uh, oof, loosen up the uh, shirt collar for what happened there. <laughs> um, and then uh, Jay Lethal and uh, SoCal Val also uh, were married at Slammiversary in uh, 08. Nice. Um, well, I should say we're going to be, uh, but it was interrupted by the best man, Sanjay Dutt, and uh, George the Animal Steel, Kamala, uh, Birdman, Coco Beware, and Jake the Snake were all in attendance for that wedding at Slammiversary. <laughs> Because it's an all-star cast. You got to get a paycheck. <laughs> so I love uh, all those guys. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's a pretty star-studded, uh, star-studded thing there. Uh, but here we have uh, the wedding of Johnny Bravo and the demon assassin Rosemary. Um, yeah. There is a few too many references to uh, Johnny Bravo's uh, virginal blood, uh, for my liking. Um, yeah. It kind There's of a, harped on that quite a bit. Yeah, uh, a lot. The family show kind of pushed, <laughs> pushed the limits there. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's it's well documented. I watch wrestling with my four and my three-year-old quite a bit. Uh, thankfully, I don't really watch a whole lot of impact with them because uh, when we started doing this podcast, of course, uh, Rob Van Dam and uh, Katie Forbes were still a part <laughs> of the roster. Um, and I just don't need my son uh, at four years old uh, watching Katie Forbes work across the television screen right now. And not because there's anything wrong with what she's doing, but because, uh, quite frankly, I don't want to have that conversation right now. Um, but uh, we, we see the culmination um, of Havoc, uh, who lost to Rosemary last week, agrees to bring back Father James Mitchell. Um, and Father James Mitchell comes back to officiate the wedding. Scary um, dude. <laughs> he is. Yeah, I mean. You want to talk, so we talked about, you know, okay, Sue Young is pretty uh, intimidating. Um, and, and we do need to go back to Sue Young here in a minute because we completely skipped that segment. Maybe we won't, won't go back. We'll just say Sue Young came out and attacked Deanna Perrazzo after her lawyer demanded that Scott Demore put the belt back on Perrazzo. And Scott Demore, of course, uh, said, no, you get your rematch. And yeah, it, it was a long, drawn-out it took it was multiple segments segments um and i will say that the barrister and kimberly both ate mandible claws and when scott Demore tried to break it up he did get red mist um, i did like that part that was pretty cool that was pretty I'm a sucker for mist i mean you know who who isn't right right um so back to the wedding now that we've touched on you know where that that's going to be I, I guess next week we're going to see the uh, knockouts title match um the wedding starts, the bridal party comes out, of course, you know, Swinger, Falaba, uh, Swoggle is now a part of the bridal party because I guess... Uh, He's all over not? this show. Uh, <laughs> he is. I mean, hey, listen, man, Dylan, get your paychecks, dude. Seriously. I think he just had a book come out or if it's been out for a little oh, bit. Um, 
so you know definitely uh definitely check out the book uh if you're a fan of uh books uh or wrestlers <laughs> or wrestling books um i guess right <laughs> um, is it a short story <laughs> oh god <laughs> you know you're going to hell for that just so, yeah. just so you're aware <laughs> um but yeah you know uh the deaners are out there crazy steve Alicia edwards ty valkyrie uh, they're all a part of the bridal party, of course. Uh, they go through the vows. Uh, Bravo is uh, wearing a white suit with uh, purple secondary colors. Uh, looks pretty sharp, if you ask me, uh, with the exception of the top hat and, of course, the Valkyrie earmuffs. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I why not, I guess. Special uh, Rose- touch just from her. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Rosemary her is signature. kind of uh, Beetlejuice uh, adjacent here with her outfit. Um the vows from Bravo were very strange. Um, and then uh, Rosemary gives uh, a, a paragraph and a half, two paragraphs of uh, memorized uh, dialogue that I thought it was actually pretty good. Um, so and maybe, let, maybe let it wasn't memorized for a second. So, so, you know, like I talked about on the last show, I haven't been watching impact a real long time. Um, I don't know anything about Johnny Bravo other than wasn't he a referee at one point? Yes, he was um, a referee, uh, and then uh, eventually uh, revealed to be on the side of uh, Johnny Impact, uh, who, of course, we know also as John Morrison, uh, right. and uh, his wife uh, in real life. Uh, I don't know that they were – I believe they were married in the show as well, uh, Taya Valkyrie. Uh, okay. And so now Bravo is still managing technically Taya, uh, but because of the Rosemary-Taya friendship, he got to know Rosemary, and then eventually through Russell House – fell in love and, and you know, now here we are. So my next question about Mr. Bravo um, goes back to our discussion earlier about the rock with copyright law. Like Johnny Bravo was a cartoon, right? On a cartoon network. Yes. How does he just like get to be called Johnny Bravo? Did Turner not trademark well, that name? It's because of spelling. So Johnny Bravo, the cartoon is J O H N N Y Bravo. This okay. is John E. Period Bravo. So J O H N, then a space, then an, a middle oh, initial man. of okay. E, and then Bravo. So yes, uh, I, I, no. It sounds exactly the same when you say it. There's no difference. That's how phonetics works. Right. Um, but yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, I it took me uh, looking at the Impact roster back when we started this to. Um, understand that it was not johnny it was john e okay very carny <laughs> very much so very much so uh, and of course uh you know tommy dreamer is a part of the bridal party too um and probably the most important part and, and i'll get to that as to why uh shortly here um it looks like um crazy steve by the way he's like dressed up like uh like a catholic priest which I thought was interesting, and also walked Rosemary to the aisle, uh, which goes back to uh, an older, you know, back in the archives. If you want to learn about the uh, alliance of uh, Rosemary and Crazy Steve and all that stuff uh, going back, um, you can go check that out in your own time. I'm not going to delve into that tonight. Nope. Um, Let's move forward. <laughs> we're moving forward. So we have the vows. Uh, like I said, Rosemary gives a pretty good performance. She really knows her character in and out, right? Um I did think it was funny, and, and just from a production standpoint, everyone comes out to the ring with this, you know, kind of stock wedding music, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when it's time for Rosemary to walk down the aisle, they hit her Titan Tron and her music. It's um, a way to do it. Instead of Here Comes the Bride, <laughs> right? Just the cemetery song, whatever that crooning uh, emo guy is singing about. Right. So, uh, no, I just thought it was a funny touch. Uh, so, uh, the whole time, uh, they keep on making these little, like, uh, is it, you know, uh, Bravo at one point is like, and uh, I'm going to marry her, and no one's going to keep me from doing that. And everyone right. just stops, looks <laughs> around. Well, okay, as you know, during you. <laughs> during wrestling weddings, you know, somebody always has to, like, you know. They definitely sp- acknowledge the tropes. Speak now or forever hold your right. peace, right? Exactly. Um, they acknowledge they the tropes. They even acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, then I think Rosemary says something, and uh, Father uh, Mitchell is like, looking around again like no okay well then uh i think he said something like uh by the power invested in me by the lord below or something like you know (laughs) some reference to satan of Of course course. um because if you look at his eyebrows i mean this guy's eyebrows are pure like satan energy right he's scary dude man he's super (laughs) creepy (laughs) he is and it'll be interesting to see uh how else he shows up uh in this uh whole ordeal here um, but when he says, uh, you may now kiss the bride, we uh, have the lights go out here. A oh, we're getting of, the lights out match. <laughs> we're getting the lights out. I thought Cody Rhodes might be there for a second. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but no, it was not. Uh, and in fact, when the lights come on, of course, we see a flash of light when the lights with the, with the sound of a gunshot. And the lights come on. And Bravo is lying in the middle of the ring dead. Now, are we sure he's dead? Uh, so I'm looking at uh, – I'm on Impact's website right now on my secondary screen, and they keep showing the, the scene where he gets uh, shot, and he's lying there, uh, and there is – the blood is pouring out of uh, what can only be described as where the heart is. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they wanted to make sure that everyone uh, walks away. Now, if he's actually dead, we don't know. It's professional wrestling. Yeah. Lots of people I'll have bet died. he comes back at some point, Josh. I'm a, <laughs> but I'm he might. My theory is that he might come back uh, kind of undead. I, well, it'd now, be fitting, we, right? We we play in this realm of the undead uh, quite a bit here on Impact. She might resurrect him. She might. I mean, you know, she needed that virginal blood for something. Yeah. So, and if she didn't, uh, they've mentioned it way too much for it to not be a plot point. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but I, as uh, as we see Bravo Lang uh, bloodied and shot, uh, we see uh, none other than uh, Tommy Dreamer. Because by the way, this is a costume uh, party Halloween uh, uh, wedding, and uh, he's dressed up, of course, as his good friend uh, Animal still. And uh, he climbs on top of uh, Bravo's body and does uh, the the old uh, pan out shot Y uh, moment. Right. And I know <laughs> it's supposed to be corny. And I, I, I bit into it, so I laughed when, I, when Tommy hit him with the Y. Um, because it is, you know, it's full-on Tommy Dreamer giving it all. Yeah, I mean, that's what I found enjoyable about it, is these guys aren't taking it seriously. They know how goofy it is, and they're just, you know, leaning way into it. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, way into it. Uh, one thing I didn't like is that um, about the wedding – is that Father Mitchell does call uh, Swaggle the ring imp. Um, <laughs> I, 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 listen, yeah. Dylan obviously wouldn't have let him say that if he was uncomfortable with it. Um, 
but, I think it was you know, more the demonic side rather than the right, hype but side. Also, but yeah, we know imp, we know imps are great. small creatures. Right. Um. So uh, yeah, you but could have said mean, ring demon or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or or just you know, who's got the rings? Something. I mean, he didn't need to call attention to it that way. But you know, maybe that's me being uh, you know, a millennial and, and being overly uh, uh, cautious about that type of thing. I personally wouldn't have said it. Um, yeah. Just because, you know, like I said, even if even if Dylan was all cool about it and like told him to say it, um, you know, you never know. You don't, you just want to, don't want to put anybody in that position. Uh, but that's Impact Wrestling uh, for this week. Interesting fallout from from the pay per view. Not a whole lot of it, other than the uh, the cash in of the uh, rematch clause by Eric Young that was quickly dismissed, uh, too fast to to actually be done, as we said earlier. Um, we're going to have a rematch next week for the knockouts championship. Um, and then there's a couple other random, I think Chris Bay is going to wrestle Trey Miguel next week. Uh, there's no implications of anything. Just that's the, what's going to happen. Just RLPW. That's all it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I hope they give that, you know, about a seven minute slot, uh, eight minute slot at least. Cause yeah, in fact, impact is pretty good about giving everyone, but the main event about the same amount of time. Um, and, you know the main the main event of the wrestling portion is always going to go a little longer, uh, typically. Uh, but Tommy Dreamer uh, clocks in with the longest match of this week's uh, Impact at 11 minutes 43 seconds. Uh, and you know I, I think uh, Tommy Dreamer, uh, you know, he's got he's got some more tricks up his sleeve uh, for Brian Myers. I don't think that one's done either. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Do you think they keep going with that? I mean, uh, you think Brian gets it. his win back next week or in a couple weeks? Uh, well, t- I mean. Brian's already got two on him, right? I mean, to have a third match and then the other guy win to make it 2-1, to me it seems like they're going to continue it. Uh, Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't see where Brian's going to go otherwise um, because it seems like he's a character that would not want to pursue the X Division championship, uh, but rather the the main title, the the Impact World Championship. Um, You know, uh, it's hard to say. It really is. I mean, and then, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns uh, tease, they want to uh, cash in their uh, their rematch as soon as Shelly is ready. Triple XL attacks them backstage to, to say that they want their shot. They've been beating everybody around, is what AC says. Uh, when in actual reality, I think they've beaten the Deaners once and the Rascals <laughs> twice. So, hot streak. <laughs> you know, hot streak. And, you know, and listen. AC, AC, I'm sure is aware of that too. When he said it, he just has to sell the, uh, sell the match, man. Got, got to bring the gate in, so they say. Um, but you know, I thought it was uh, all around pretty good week for them. I thought it was a pretty good show. I mean, it went by pretty quick. Um, some of the backstage segments drug a little bit. Uh, yeah. The only real segment I didn't like was the Diana and that barrister segment. Yeah, agreed. Um, but everything was pretty good. It left on a, a cliffhanger, you know. Yeah. So now I got to tune in next week, find out what. Now, do you think they're going to reveal what <laughs> happened? Or are they going to string this out? Um, I think this do doesn't get. Do? I think this doesn't get resolved until the network special for the for the month, um, uh, if not later. Uh, I just it it feels like a bigger story. Um, I I feel like I I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction for for who shot Bravo, and I think. People are going to try and theorize uh, and come up with these grandiose things. Oh, oh maybe you know, Rosemary had it set up because she just needed his blood, and with him shot, she can get it. 
and you know whatever right um i think it was just purely over the money that father boss stole i think hernandez shot him yeah well they they kind of hinted at that earlier in the show when right. uh, hernandez was kind of whooping on him um so on uh follow boss yeah so i it mean it might just be the simplest explanation right and we're seeing with impact they're not afraid to just stick with what is right in front of you um, right. And they've definitely predicted what's happening in later shows with commentary and with, you know, other things that are happening. So uh, to me, I, I think that's the simplest thing. I can't really see it being anyone else. Um, truthfully. It could, they could go really wacky or they, like you said, they could just go straightforward. Like here, we already told you this is what's going to happen. So this is what happened. So right. let me ask you this. How do you feel about a, a, a gun murder <laughs> on your wrestling as a father watching this with your kids. <laughs> well, like I said, uh, yeah, thankfully my kids don't really tune into uh, the weekly impact uh, show with me. There has been stuff like the kids have watched in before, uh, you know, when, when Moose uh, bloody EC3's face um, on the boardwalk a couple weeks ago uh, in the lead up to this uh, pay-per-view. Uh, that I had to, you know, shoo Molly out of the room. Uh, she likes to come and sit and in my lap and watch wrestling when I'm, I'll have my my work going on my computer and I'll have wrestling going up on a second screen, and she'll like to come and sit and watch the wrestling with me. Uh, I've been typically tending to do impact when they're not around, just because there are some things like I mentioned uh, that have kind of been like I don't want to explain that uh, right now to a four year old and a three year old. Um, but yeah, they didn't see the gunshot, uh, so okay for me right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it it, it certainly uh, when you're talking TVPG wrestling, um, I don't know. It, it it I don't think they need to do it. Um, but it, I'm not offended by it. Yeah. There's I mean there's guns in, in damn near everything uh, these days. So. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I'm, I don't really like it. I don't like guns being introduced in wrestling. You know, it's. Uh... It's kind of crossing a line with me. I, I'm not going to like totally decry it because I want to see where the story goes. Maybe it won't even sure. be a gun. Maybe it'll be something else, you know? Who knows? Right. Yeah, it, it could be, right? It could yeah, be I some mean, demonic power that shot out of Rosemary or right. you know, Father James Mitchell could do something. I, who knows? Yeah. I just so, don't want it to be like something that <laughs> occurs a lot where we're getting in like <laughs> gang warfare with guns and stuff. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. a little too much. Which, so. you know, with Hernandez, I, I, th- I would trust a, a, a larger company uh, that we are aware of uh, to take the stereotype of Hernandez and make it into a gang warfare thing. Oh, God. Um, and thankfully, <laughs> right. Exactly. See, you know exactly where that would go. Um, thankfully, I don't think that's really a thing that's, that impact has ever really fallen into at least, you know, not since dropping the TNA branding. Right. Yeah. Um, they, they typically stay away from stereotypes. They've been really good about, uh, you know, true intergender wrestling, um, and making that, you know, feel like it's an actual wrestling match and not a gimmick. Um, and, and really, you know, treating the talent as talent. Um, so hopefully uh, that stays true, and this is something that you know pays off in, in a good way. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I you know I'll be the first one to say that it didn't work, um, but we don't know yet. I think so yeah. far, so far it's worked. Um, it wasn't egregious. You don't see any gunshot. You don't. All you see is a flash right. of light and a sound, um, which is probably why they were able to do it. Um, yeah. Very theatrical. It's not like realistic or anything. Right. So. It was very much like. 
if you went to see a high school play and there was a gunshot in a high school play, right. the lights would go off. You'd hear a, a canned noise that didn't sound too realistic. And then right. the, one of the actors would be on they the ground with a ketchup packet. a couple packet. of two-by-fours together. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that kind of uh, that closes the book uh, on this week's Impact. Uh, Dan, you know, thanks again for, for jumping on in a pinch. Uh, yeah, no problem. Before you go. I always enjoy my time here and discussing Impact. It's a good yeah, time. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, uh, we're, we're the only show on the network doing it. Um, you know, and before uh, I let you get out of here, uh, I do want to ask you if uh, you got a favorite video game that you'd recommend for Halloween. Well, I tell you what, this is going to, it's not really a new game because which I just talked about it with you a few weeks ago, but um, you know, since I talked to you, I replayed the Batman games. There you go. Um, I'm trying to hundred percent Arkham Knight right now, which I never did before. I got to the Riddler trophies and just kind of moved on. Sure. Um, yeah, but, like most but of us, now yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> I get I get motivated to do it, but there's a lot of horror elements in those games, which there is. Um, it's kind of surprising. I mean, they, like you've got the man bat jumping out at you. The Joker's just evil and like evil clown, you know. Sc- uh, Scarecrow is just he's like a, a demon. Um, there's a lot of horror elements to it. It's kind of like a Halloween style game. Yeah, there is, uh, and you know uh, that's a great great recommendation. Uh, I gave mine in the top of the uh, the episode with Lane, so check out both parts of our episode. Um, really fun stuff. Of course, you know, tune into all the podcasts here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Uh, you know, of course, you got One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, All Things Elite. We got the Grave Consequences Podcast, Grow and Watch This Shit, uh, and of course, the Great Match Generator, and and you know, of course, uh, yours truly uh, here on the Eight Bit Suplex. Hopefully we'll get Sandy back next week um, and hopefully she's feeling better. Uh, we're thinking about you, Sandy. Um, get well, Sandy. And, uh, you know, definitely go out and uh, have a, a great, safe, socially distanced mask wearing Halloween. Uh, you know, if you're doing any trick or treating with your kids, be just be super careful with it. Um, we are, we are going to do one street on my uh, in-laws uh, street. Uh, and we're kind of uh, packaging my, my mother-in-law's birthday is thankfully November 2nd. So we're going to do uh, Halloween uh, slash her birthday uh, over at my in-laws. And there then let, we're going to have the kids do like uh, a quick loop up the street with some neighbors that we know um, and can kind of uh, do a little bit of contact tracing back if we had to. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, crazy that we have to put this much thought into it, right? It really is. Um, you know, especially for, you know, for kids that they just want to do trick or treating and, and have things back to normal. And, uh, you know, if, if more adults could act uh, like adults and not like children, uh, we would have already been able to do that. Uh, but that's a different podcast, uh, that we get into <laughs> that. Um, but you know, Dan, uh, have a safe one, man. Uh, you too. we'll talk to you next time. And, uh, I'm sure I'll probably talk to you in, uh, in our Facebook group chat, uh, when we hang up here. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Anytime, and uh, you know, once again, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for stopping on.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.